0: Hey, guys, this is Drew. Uh, There was an issue with the recording of this episode. The uh, webcam decided it wanted to record instead of allowing our mixer board to actually record the audio to the computer. So I have permanently disabled the microphone on the webcam. Pray I don't disable it any further. Anyway, guys... (laughs) uh thankfully the audio just sounds weird it doesn't really sound horrible so i'm gonna leave it as is but yeah that if that if you're wondering why the audio for this episode our voices sound weird that's why anyway enjoy boss baby the cell
1: cast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience
0: Episode of the Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who is still fuming at the fact that this movie used puppies as villainy. Welcome, Jacob. How dare you? How dare you? You filed that your puppies File <laughs> <your> evil trigger! <laughs> yeah, that it's like, what in the world? You made the puppies the bad guy, really? The puppies were not the bad guy. I know they they mean- were being controlled by the bad guy. Yes, guys. I know. Which is kind of a dumb plot, but still. And they had to kill the puppies so they wouldn't take over the world. It was just forever, forever puppies. Oh, my gosh. We'll, we'll get into that when we get into that. Fight. But in the meantime... Wait, 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 wait. That's the end of the show. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> let, me, let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> Anyways, let me hear our co host. A man who... You don't want to see him if he doesn't have his uh, 3 o'clock bottle. That would be a bottle of Coca-Cola, right? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe! Maybe! Well, I, that, I'll let okay, you that, know that, that while I am not lactose intolerant, <laughs> I'm not a fan of milk okay. Unless it's been mixed with sugar and eggs and frozen. <laughs> okay, it's a bottle of Coca-Cola, okay? Okay! That'll work. Just, just reminding you that, uh, if revenge is a dish best served cold and revenge is sweet, it is, revenge is indeed ice cream. That's true, Con would would completely agree with that. He likes Rocky (laughs) Road. Anyway, why don't we jump into this thing, shall we? Yes.
1: Certified fresh and spoiler-free.
0: So, fun fact: this is my one and three quarters viewing of this film because I watched this film before, but I lost. I missed the the end of it. I don't know what happens the first time I tried watching this film. Dum dum da, dum. Because literally, they get the puppy coat. It didn't tell you anything. No, it puppy, doesn't. Uh, that we haven't already spoiled. Yeah. But we get the puppy coat, and like somewhere around there, I guess I just thought. Well, I know how this is going to end, and I what? shut it off. So, yeah, I watched the whole thing this time. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I am convinced when I was, we were first looking at this and mm-hmm. thinking, oh, my word, why did he put that on the list? Because this is a Jacob-picked film, guys. <gasps> I is that a bad thing? I was actually thinking of the movie Storks. Yes. Which is bad. <laughs> It's That's worse. What I keep hearing. It's I he own that movie. I, I'm not gonna say it's like bad, bad. It's just like, oh, it's less tolerable mm. than this film. So uh, this was actually got some interesting things. Okay. Uh, in my opinion, it's uh, everything. This this is one of those movies that has that little thing in there that when I, if I were to come up with a complaint, I could about how the story was told, mm-hmm. about continuity, about anything almost. I can, you can easily be, someone can easily tell me, but the boy, but the Timothy, or T- Timmy, mm-hmm. Tim? It's Tim. Tim. It's just Tim. Tim, oh, it's Leslie. But anyway, yeah. Tim Leslie my, is my. like, is just very imaginative. So any weirdness that comes across, it's because of his imagination. Yeah. I put air quotes There's right some early. logistical issues that yes, we will get to are. in the what we didn't like section, the dislike section. Yeah. That this does not fix. No. But does. other than that, the things that that does help actually, I think, was yes. r- rather ingenious. This is not a stupid movie like I thought it was going to be. Okay, there right. is some intelligence put behind this, some creativity put okay. behind this. That being said, I am not a fan of baby shows and movies. Okay. I have nothing against babies. Fair. A lot of people I know used to be babies. Mm -hmm. I think we all were at one point. Yes. But I have never been a fan of babies as uh, major characters in a show. I hated Rugrats when I was a kid. I never watched Regrets, but I totally understand that. I was not a fan of the "Look Who's Talking" series of the movies, mm. which was about talking. Uh, well, it followed a family yeah. who had babies, and the babies were all voiced by actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that their thoughts were. It's like okay, that's cute, but it, let's and let's face it, baby geniuses is a no go. Mm. I didn't even try that. Right. I have nothing against the concept, but this, it just gets. The babyisms get irritating after a while. They do, and I and that's probably the part that doesn't sit well with me. Other than that, it is an interesting film, and yeah. I think I'm. This is the one I'm actually glad we are doing, and I do believe it does not belong in bad movie month. Yeah, I'm agree. So yeah, that's my thoughts. What are yours? Uh, this is the first time watching this film. I actually had to watch it, uh, so. We had some power outages in the apartments where we live. Oh, it wasn't power. No, it was, it was power. internet. It was internet issues. It was not to the server. So in the middle, in the middle of my watching the movie for the first time, I'm about thirty, about thirty minutes away from the conclusion, and our, our our main character, Boss Baby, is in the middle of something, and he just freeze frames in the middle of it. By that point, he was probably going, "Cool, cool, caca." Not quite. Not quite. Not quite there. But, uh, so, yeah, my internet went poof for the rest of the night. So I had to finish it the, the, the next night after. And I was like, oh, okay, this is not a bad movie. It's, it's got some plot issues. It's got, like like Drew said, the, the, the baby-isms get really, really tired really, really fast. Uh, and there is a lot of what is real and what is imaginary because, I, like, it's so blurred throughout this entire film. Yes. And the like the I think the third act just goes way in proportion. And the, there's other things, I'll get into those when we get into yeah. spoiler section. But overall, be like it's an enjoyable film. It's a it's irritating from when it comes to like um like Drew said some of the continuity's a little bit off. And there's I have logistical issues when we get to whether or not well, the main crux of the movie, I have a logistical issue with. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah, same here. The uh, like the, the main plot of the movie of why everything's yeah. going on. Because if it's, it's, if it's not the main character's imagination, everything's right. going on. If it's actually what's going on, yeah. it makes no sense. Because it starts one way, mm-hmm. and the longer it goes, you realize that's not what's happening. Yeah. But how did they get there to begin with? Right. That's what doesn't make sense. Right. But we'll get there when we get there. Exactly. So, yeah. So, Green, did you have the spoilers for this thing? Yeah, let's spoil this thing. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the film The Boss Baby. Listener discretion is advised. The Boss Baby was directed by Tom McGrath, who we have previously reviewed one of his films. Mm -hmm. He was the director of Megamind. Yeah. they good film. And you can tell there's a little bit of that uh, ingeniousness yeah. to the Ag- film. Agree. Uh, it was written by Michael McCullers mm-hmm. and is based on the book by Marla Frazzi. I didn't know that it was actually based on the book. I think it's probably like a picture book. Mm. Probably like the, the thing you give to the to the soon-to-be older siblings so that the younger sibling will under, when the younger sibling's like, being born, yeah, they'll to prepare them for their role as the elder sibling. Yeah. I suspect that's what it is. I didn't look it up. I wish I had that kind of book when I was a kid. Didn't have it. I have no connection. Yet. I'm an only child. Being the only child, totally good. You, you fit more with Tim, minus the being oh. Tim. I knew exactly where Tim was coming from. <laughs> it's like, I may not. Have, I'm the center of the universe. I may not have had nine uh, good night stories with a special song, but that's absurd. <laughs> that that kid was was spoiled. But spoiled well, brat. Speaking of spoiled brats. Alec Baldwin played Ted Templeton Jr., a.k.a. The Boss Baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, surprisingly, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but Alec Baldwin, as big a name as he is, mm-hmm. he doesn't ever seem to be in a lot of stuff. No, he's not. He which was, is weird. Yeah, the, the, the biggest thing he's been in right now was the uh, the whole shooting in a movie he recently yeah. did. And he got to play <laughs> for whatever. Right. I forgot about that. That was him. Yeah. But uh he has been in a movie we've reviewed. Which one is that? And we will be have to we'll end up reviewing it again because it was when we did in our first year. Oh. In fact, this was the last film we reviewed under the old uh, template. Really? Yes. He was Captain Gray Edwards in Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. Oh, I remember that. I forgot that was him until I was ago. Too. Oh, Ooh. that's him. Uh, yeah. The, old, the shadow oh, Yeah, that's wrong, uh, shadow, but anyway. Is, I'd be like, no, no, is that is that the right Baldwin? You know, now I'm going to have to look that you up know, if he was I in the shadow. Like, I, I, I don't, I'd be like, I could be completely wrong. Probably people in the chat are like, no, you're wrong, Jacob, what's going on? I, I do not know if he knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. The Shadow Nose. I, <laughs> I know it's a bald one. I just can't remember if it was actually Alec Baldwin. Uh, it is Alec Baldwin. Okay. I forgot that. That's an early Alec Baldwin, because he is. is very young in that shot. He is. He is. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, Miles Bakshi was the voice of Tim Templeton, mm-hmm. and he was actually in Sh- Shrek Forever After as one of the Ogre Babies. Oh, okay. The 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 final good Shrek film. Yes, and I don't like, think the ogre babies were in the third. Uh, no, they were being born. So uh, he may have been in that for like a hot second in that one, yeah. but a, maybe? It's a, a crying ogre baby, but that would be a bad Yeah, and plus, the like the third Shrek film was not good, right? And thankfully, they kind of you know saved the save the franchise with doing the fourth one. And now we're awesome. getting a fifth one. Apparently getting a reboot, actually, I think. Yes. Uh, Neko, we've actually reviewed all three Final Fantasy films. We have. So, check our archives. Yes. In fact, I will suggest the Final Fantasy VII Advent Children Complete one, because yes, okay. that was, like, the biggest surprise we ever yes. saw. Yes. <laughs> That that was a war because be like I had the original. I bought it when it first came, and out. I only knew of the original. Yeah, I had same. I had gone and bought a Blu-ray of *Advent Children* mm-hmm. in preparation because it was one I wanted to add back to my library anyway. Yeah. And that's bought the complete version, thinking, ah, this is just gonna have more extra special features. Yeah. And uh, it's only a couple dollars more than the regular mm-hmm. Blu-ray. Sure, I'll get complete. I turn it back on and go. I, I watch it and go. Wait a minute. This is this is not what happened. Mm-hmm. This is new. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a scene I recognize. That's new. Oh, my word, they're fixing every problem. Yeah. I thought I was going to rip this movie apart as much as I like Final Fantasy. Oh, this is actually good again. Okay, cool. Okay. And then Drew called me it's like, said, it's which version are you watching? <laughs> it's like, the, the version of the film? He's like, you're borrowing this. You're book. borrowing this? This is the version we're reviewing. Trust me. <laughs> Very true. So yes, yes. go go. Watch Listen to the, that the complete, the complete version of it. Worth it. Speaking back back to our cast list. Yes. Toby McGuire was the voice of Adult Tim, A.K.A. our narrator. Yes, and he of course was Spider Man, in Spider Man. Yeah, in Spider Man Two, and Spider Man, uh, Venom versus Sandman. Spider-Man. Give me a dream. I'm sorry, that's a bad joke. Yeah. Also. It- Spider-Man No Way Home. No Way Home, which is a good movie. Oh, yes. Steve Buscemi was the voice of Francis Francis. I didn't realize it was him. I was like, when I heard that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, now I see, now I hear it. He was also in a movie we have reviewed, except this one was last year. Um, Last Halloween, I'll be honest. That would be Hotel Transylvania? No, Well, he is in Hotel Transylvania. Oh. So yeah, technically we reviewed four of his films. Okay, what's the other? Because we reviewed Hotel Transylvania one, two, and three, because he was Wayne. Mm-hmm. But have we done three already? We have done three. Okay. We have not done the fourth. Oh okay. But he was also in Monster House, oh, as gotcha. Never Cracker, the of uh, not the villain, but the the cranky old man who owned the Monster yeah, House. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because Steve Buscemi's voice is so you distinct. With oh, yeah. he does. He doesn't do voices. He has one voice, in yeah, voice. It's, and that's the voice it's, everybody wants. It's his voice. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Kimmel was the voice of dad. you know what? I, mean, like, I read that and I was like, no way on earth he's dad. But yeah, I can hear it. And he was in he played a role in Teen Titans Go to the movies. That's a film we're gonna have to watch somewhere. Do you know who he played? No. I'm Batman. No. Jimmy Kimmel played Batman. voice. He boy he vo- he's a voice of Batman. Okay. That's stirring. very just imagine Jimmy Kimmel going, I am vengeance. I am the Knights. I am Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> Kevin Conroy, you are not. No, I'm no. Not, I am not Kevin Conroy either. I know that. I know that. I know that. We Although like, I, that was a pretty good Kevin Conroy. That was a pretty good Kevin con, uh, Conroy. <laughs> I didn't so know I could I did not know I could do Kevin Conroy's Batman. It <laughs> so yep. just as now. Yep. As just now. Uh, also, we got Lisa Kudrow playing mom, hmm. and Smiley she gets me cat. That is who she played <laughs> in Friends. Phoebe Buffet, I assume is how you say her name. Yeah, hi. Phoebe Buffet. A show I have not watched. What? I didn't grow up watching Friends. Wow. We did not watch that at my house. Yeah, that, that was a show we watched, like, I wouldn't say religiously, but when it came on, you know, back in the day when movie, like TV shows came on, it wasn't on streaming. You just waited until it came on the certain night. And you made a day, at a night of it to watch it. Well, y'all did. I didn't. Yeah, we did. So, Kingdom Hearts Connections. Ooh. Yes. This is a two thousand seventeen film, right? Yes. Okay. By this time, the, the their, um, there were nine games in Kingdom Hearts released. Oh, okay. I would go with the number I would choose is probably. Uh, let's hit high six. Close. Go up. Eight. Yes. Okay. It is eight. Starting with uh, Vivian Yi, who played Stacy in this, mm. which I'd never figured out which one was uh. Stacy. Oh, wait, that was the little Asian girl. Yeah, Asian baby. I remember yes, that now. That's Stacy. Uh, she was additional voices in Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Chris Sanders, who had a special thanks credit in this. Really? Yes. Did you just say who I think you just said? Yeah, you already know who he played in Kingdom Hearts. Mm. Yes. He's sitting in front of you. Yes. Yeah. That puts him in two games, actually. Yes. My Tourette's is blurred. I could be like... <laughs> my bad. No, you're. it's not you. It's my Tourette's. <laughs> no, I was saying my bad. It's like... piece of piece of piece of piece of piece 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 of piece. I don't know if he's gonna remember, if uh, Nathan's gonna remember to send me the entire blank file back so I can get your <laughs> bark out of there. So you might actually hear a bark type people just, you know, break right. yourself. The first of the people I'm gonna list here were listed on, on IMDB as being in the ADR group. Yep. Yeah. But I'm assuming that basically means they played additional characters. Yes. That being Tara Strong, who is also Riku of the Gullwings Wings in Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Get Goings were the uh, the three here the, the the main party from King, Final Fantasy, 10 Ten two, okay. It was Charlie's Angels, Final Fantasy. Okay. Sid's Angels. Okay. And that's as far as that joke apparently is going to go. <clears throat> there we go. Sorry if that was a little of uh, people. I'm Trish Sore, I bark like a dog. Yes. So finally, finally, five years, I bark like a dog in the show. Technically, the second time. Second time, yeah. Jessica DeCoco, DeCico, De DeCoco. I don't know how you say this woman's name. I apologize. D-I-C-I-C-C-O. DeCoco? DeCoco? Oh, De DeCoco. Uh, what is it? D-I-C-I-C-C-O. Let me see that. Where is it? Right here. D-I-C-I-C-C-O. Yeah, DeCoco. DeCoco. Yeah, it's the closest I can get. If I'm mispronouncing your name, ma'am, I apologize. She played Olette in Kingdom Hearts, Okay. one of uh, Roxas's friends. Ah. You don't know who Roxas is? I do know who Roxas is, actually. OK. I, you, I, do you know who Roxas really is? Yeah. OK. He, apparently, he's the nobody of Sora. Oh, you are good. Yes. I I, I know a little bit about Kingdom Hearts ever since. Be like, you became friends with me. Exactly. <laughs> Audrey Wasseluski. I'm not kidding with that name. That, that is a name that's a whopper of a name. That has that got to be Russian. Or uh, Nordic at least. What hold on, let me read it. Wassaluski. Wattaluski. Wasaluski. Ski makes me think uh, uh Russian. It, it sounds. it's I mean like I'm not sure because I, I, yeah. I can't figure out the, the dialect of it, but right. She played... It's Slavic, I know that. Yes, it's Slavic. She played a uh, side character in the Tarzan level that at one time... Hey, I'll put it this way. In Kingdom Hearts, I didn't realize they had a voice for for this character. Okay. In the original movie, she was voiced by Rosie O'Donnell. Turk from Tarzan. Oh, my gosh. I almost sped at my water with that. That would be funny. But close. Yeah. Michelle Ruff was additional voices in both. Ruff. Julian Zane Chowdhury was additional voices in both. Mm-hmm. And for the one I had a little bit more to work with here, Robert Clotworthy. Okay, he was additional voices in Kingdom Hearts, but in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, because Smash Brothers Ultimate is officially a Kingdom Hearts game. Yes, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> connected. He played. Black Knight from one of the, uh, well, he was archive audio of the Black Knight, I believe in one of the uh, the Fire Emblem stages. Okay. So, yeah, that. And that's what I've got for all the Kingdom Hearts connections. What do we have in info and stuff? All right, so info and stuff. We have a score on IMDb of 6.7 out of 10. You can watch it on Netflix if you subscribe to Netflix. Please do not hire films. I'm just saying that. Please don't hire them, because people get paid for these things, and right. you steal other people's property. Period. Uh, production was DreamWorks Animation, distributed through 20th Century Fox, now simply 20th Century Studios. Yes, because this was a, this was one of the last films I believe that 20th Century was mm-hmm. distributing for DreamWorks before they got bought by Universal. Yeah. And then 20th Century Fox got bought by... Disney. Disney. And they'll never work together again. again. Which is weird when you consider... I think Disney actually distributed some DreamWorks films back in the day. That's weird. But moving on. Yeah, moving on. Captain Katzenberg! Katzenberg. Katzenberg. Alright, uh, release date. So it was officially released. It was officially previewed in what... Florida town. True. Kissimmee St. Cloud. Nope. You want to know why I picked that? Why? Because it's right on the doorstep of Walt Disney World. <laughs> I remember these commercials from when I was a kid. Advertising to the five-year-old how to, where to stay at Disney when you go to Disney World in Florida. Because who wants to stay on property? Moving on. Moving on. Uh, so <laughs> this, uh, the, the kind of a hint towards audience or a hint towards Drew. It is a f- now very famous Will Smith song, and I'm not referring to when he slapped Chris Rock. For yeah, because it? Chris Rock is not a song. I know that. But I bet the song slaps. Kind of. Anyway, <laughs> can you guess what I'm talking about? Well, with this. Be the story all about how my life got flipped turned upside down. My life to take a story, it, yeah. just sit right there until how you became the prince of a town called Bel Air. It was in Miami, Florida. For someone who never watched Fresh Prince? What? <laughs> that was good! You that have was to admit good, that. But what the Poor man! Poor man! <laughs> we were entertained by other things. So I just it? have no nostalgia for what the rest of the world is. Nostalgia. Wow. You never watched Friends. You never watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Did, did you watch Family Matters? Well, yes. That wasn't a good Urkel. That was a bad Urkel. <laughs> <That was> a... <laughs> did Wait. I do that? Well, I was trying not to say that <laughs> particular line because my Urkel also goes into ninety Sonic because it was the same guy. <laughs> that is true. Well, no, I knew that was—I nearly I did link. Well, excuse me, princess. I was Where's trying this to, one. Yeah, yeah, we are having way too much fun. <laughs> of course, it's our show. What we'll fun if we want to. So, all right, so Miami was, is where yeah, it's. I didn't know Fresh Prince. Happy Fresh Prince. I didn't know Will, Will Smith us. You gotta remember, I didn't listen to his music either. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I didn't know he was he had anything so, to do with Miami. I know two songs of his. This is the story all about how and wild wild West. picking it up, dude. Wild wild West. Cause I don't remember the Men in Black thing. Oh yeah, do it. Here come the me Men in Black. This is not Will Smith singing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I'm on, on, like one of his biggest albums yet uh, to that date. One of his biggest albums be like uh, there was a song called Miami and my brother Jim at the time loved Will Smith music and I was like you know what this is kind of cool it was nice clean music uh kind of rap music but it was just like I loved that first record it was so good but yeah it was first this uh, movie was premiered in Miami Florida I think it's kind of a nap, nudge nudge wink wink to Disney it's like hey we're in your territory Yeah, we're playing in theaters now that you say that my entire choice of saying that it took place in Kissimmee St. Cloud oh. makes no sense whatsoever. I was not, I, in my mind, I was like, yo, yeah, this is Disney. Yeah. I'm making the rookie mistake of anyone who's in animation thinking every animated movie is Disney. I am an idiot. But let's move on. A uh, goober, not an idiot, a goober. Well, i'm a goofy goober yeah you're a goofy goober yeah we're all goofy goobers yeah he doesn't know what i'm quoting no i don't it's because you've not watched the spongebob movie no because i don't want to watch spongebob movie but eventually we will have to watch that movie oh frack <laughs> snarf snarf the question is will i remember when it comes to time to actually make that part of the sketch oh, oh my gosh. but yes uh, so, it debuted in Miami, Florida on May 12, 2017, and the United States as a whole on March 31, 2017. A box office, that it's made a bunch of $125 million. Its opening weekend for the United States and Canada was $50.1 million on April 2nd of the same year. Its U.S. gross in Canada was $175 million. And its uh, global its global gross was five hundred and twenty seven point nine million dollars. So like it didn't do well domestically. Like yeah, it made a little bit its money back, but when you're talking about motion but like promoting and advertising and toys and everything, yeah, this movie didn't make money at all in in domestically. Neko, I love how you think there's going to be any editing outside of Weird Goose. Oh, yeah. Because most of this is going in. Most of it. The the the, the only thing that's not edited is the, the pre-show that goes to you. And any of kind of messes with us or we get tongue-tied. Yes, very tongue-tied. We've not been tongue-tied yet tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to hear us tongue-tied, like, go back and watch, like, season one. Listen to season one or two. And that's where it'd be like, I can't talk half the time. Let's say that. But, anyways, uh, going into home release. Going into home release, 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment released The Boss Baby on digital download on January, July 4th, 2017, on DVD, Blu-ray, Blu-ray 3D, back when that was a thing. That is so weird, because, like, you have all these 3D Blu-ray players, be like, movies out there which you can no longer play, because the... The uh, technology is obsolete now. You can still have... There's still 3D Blu-ray players out there. Yeah. And plus... uh, Well, that's right. You're right. Those the 3D Blu-rays themselves were a separate disc from the regular Blu-ray. Exactly. So they're not backwards compatible. No. and and, like Because I tried that with my copy of Coraline, which has a 3D, and it won't play. Unless you have a 3D player and still have an operational 3D TV that can use the format. I'd say because your PS4 can't actually play 3D Blu-rays. Really? But you don't have a 3D TV to send it through, so it's going to just kick it back out. Okay, that makes sense. All right. That was one of the weird technologies they kept from the PlayStation 3. That is peculiar. Sony was one of the major people behind Mm Blu-rays. When they were also trying to push 3D, they put it into the PlayStation. Okay. All right, so, uh, Neko, I can tell you the reason you don't see 3D and 3D Blu-rays, even if you have everything set up right, that's because most movies are not actually made mm. to, to work in – we're not filmed in 3D correctly. Yeah, they're converted. Most of them are, are uh, conversions after the fact. The only I have seen maybe uh, – any of the uh, animated ones that are done in 3D are done correctly because they literally just re- render the same scene from a slightly different angle. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only one I remember actually being filmed correctly was Avatar. Yeah. Because it was actually shot. In yeah. Movie where the, the... Do not watch uh, Lion King in 3D. No, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And I don't mean the live-action movie. I mean the animated one. Yeah, animated... it literally looks like paper cutouts. Yeah, because I watched that in theaters. It was terrible. Because I watched it originally when I was a kid in theaters. Oh, I, I went to watch this because, like, I didn't get to see Lion King when it was in theaters. I'm taking advantage now. Same reason I went to watch Jurassic Park in 3D. Yeah. Because I didn't get a chance to watch it in theaters, and now I'm watching it in 3D, and you get to that first opening one uh, opening of that movie, and that guy and the, the Velociraptor is attacking, and the guy's going, Shoota! Shoota! Yeah. And there's that one shot of that, that that he did where it's like right going right up the guy's mouth, and he's going, Shoota! And he's like, Good night, guy. Do you need, do you ever brush your teeth? <laughs> he's British. <laughs> Yes, and I did not need giant teeth that size in 3D coming towards the screen. (laughs) Boy, we are off the rails tonight. (laughs) Yes, we are. So, uh, 3D Blu-ray and Ultra HD Blu-ray, back when those were the thing. Ultra HD Blu-ray is still a thing. That's what we call 4K Blu-rays. Okay, didn't know that. I didn't know that. All right, um, that was all released On July 25th, the same year, physical copies contained a short Boss Baby and Tim's treasure hunt through time. From February 27th to May 2019, the film was uh, available on Netflix, which it still is available on Netflix here in 2023. Uh, And I just finished my sentence. And the return, obviously, returned to the platform four years later in 2000, in this year, this year of our Lord in 2023. So, sequels. Obviously, this thing has sequels. A lot of them. There's a sequel movie, and there's a sequel TV series. Yes. This is DreamWorks. They franchise everything. Yes. Kind of like, um, what's the other one I'm thinking of that franchise everything? Sound Illumination. No. no. Sony does a lot of that. Sony does. Wow, I feel terrible. As a Disney movie. does that sometimes. Disney does it, but not to the extent. Like, and Pixar almost never does. No. But I'm. The Blue Sky? Blue Sky, Blue Sky uh, could barely do that. I'm thinking of uh, really? how, how You're treating Your Dragon. That's DreamWorks. Okay, it is DreamWorks. Okay, never mind. Yeah. It is DreamWorks, never mind. DreamWorks sequels the death of their films. So that's that's the thing you have to remember. DreamWorks has two kinds of films: mm-hmm. the kid-friendly stuff mm-hmm. and the adult stuff that is so kid-friendly. Yeah, the kid-friendly stuff I'm referring to is stuff like this. Yeah, like Boss Baby and uh, Madagascar and uh, Monsters vs. Aliens. I think would count as that. Uh, yeah, the. Ad- the stuff that's obviously made for a older audience, but the kids can go watch it too, are things like Megamind and Shrek and uh, How to Train Your Dragon yeah. and Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. They feel like different studios. In a way. But they're not. They're, they're just. I don't know which one DreamWorks, uh, Trolls fits under. A, because we're getting a. Uh, I think what is that, A bird one? There's a third one coming. There's yes. a third one coming. <sighs> oh, my gosh. This is, we like, I, I know we're originally going to have to review this. We've already reviewed the first one. We, I ha- I least, we have a toe in the door. We have to keep going. I know. Oh, my gosh. We, we still have to review the second one. I know it's, this. We still are, haven't, finished Dragons, haven't finished Dragons. No, Dragons is so much better. We get in the third one, the third one's, oh my gosh, just epic I'm, I'm looking forward to Kung Fu Panda 2, because that movie is so good! That's what I keep hearing. Anyway. Anyways, uh, so we get into a sequel, The Boss Baby uh, Family family Business. Uh, this movie was, uh, let's see, it was announced on March 20th. It was uh, the same year, in the 20, uh, 2027. 2017. 2017. No, it was, it's in the future now for some reason. Well, COVID did a lot of crazy things. That is true. But uh, it was in, uh, let's see, Universe Pictures and Dreamworks Animation announced a sequel, which were released in July, July 2nd, 2021, with Alec Oliver replacing the role as Boss Baby. So, wasn't it supposed to come out in 2020 originally? Uh, not that I can tell. I thought this was one of the ones that got pushed back, but maybe it was just in production. I think it was, that would make sense because Trolls came out during twenty twenty. Yeah, that's when it was supposed to happen. Okay, sorry. It. it, it, it the, 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 I can't talk to me. Uh, yeah, that one got the weird one, be like, oh yeah, it's in theaters, but everything else can't be in theaters, which is weird. But yeah, we're still gonna have to watch Trolls too. No World Tour. War Tour. Yeah. We have War of the War, War of the Rock. Uh, Can you smell what the trolls are cooking? And it's not it, good. It's glitter. It's glitter. <laughs> I've seen the movie. It's not that great. It's not. And it's got this enormous plot hole right in the middle of it. It's just like this. I haven't thing- watched it. I don't want to know until we yeah. watch it. I gotcha. Alright, so with all that said, uh, yes, a sequel did come out. And uh, it was released on July second, two thousand twenty-one. And then we get into the TV series that every DreamWorks movie does; it begins a series in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, heck, it'd be like even uh, Kung Fu Panda got a new series most recently. But Legends of Awesomeness, I never watched. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. I never watched it, so I don't know if it's good. All right, possibly back I mean, back in business. Um, was released on December of the same year that the movie was released in 2017. Uh, both Netflix and DreamWorks Animation announced the uh, based on the TV, based on the film, uh, the Boss Baby, Back to Business was released in 2018. So it was released a year later, and I don't know if they're going to do a sequel. This is DreamWorks, They you sequel death everything. Well, we don't, neither one of us have seen Boss Baby 2. No. So neither one of us know how, knows that, how that one ends. No. But I'll be honest, I didn't know there was a sequel coming at the end of this one. No, me either. Nothing acted like it until, oh yeah, there is a sequel. Yeah. So for those who have watched the sequel, comment down below wherever you're listening to or watching this and let us know what you think. We'll try to keep an eye out for it. We'll try to keep an eye out for it. All right. Uh, so that is all I have for an info stuff. All right, getting into the summary. Tim Templeton, an imaginative seven year old boy, is shocked when a new baby brother arrives. Boss Baby, who wears a suit and tie, behaves normally around the adults, but Tim sees Baby talking and acting like an adult whenever his parents are not looking. One day, Baby holds a staff meeting with the other infants under the guise of a neighborhood playdate. Tim attempts to record them with a cassette tape, but he is spotted and pursued by Baby and his cronies, resulting in the tape being destroyed. Tim is grounded until he learns to along with Baby. Later, Baby reveals the truth as to why he's in the house and where he comes from. He and Tim suck a special pacifier that allows them to see Baby Corp, where babies come from. Most babies go to families, but those unresponsive to tickling are sent to management, where they are given special baby formula that allows them to think and behave as adults while remaining young forever. Baby also explains that he's on a special mission to discover why the world's love of babies is being threatened lately by the love of puppies and came to the Templetons as Tim's parents work for Puppy Co. Once his mission is done, he will leave. However, the boys over here boss Baby, over here, Baby's boss, threatening to fire him if he fails. As that would mean, Baby would have to stay with the Templetons and grow up. Tim and Baby agree to work together to prevent this from happening on take your kid to work day the parents take tim and baby with them to puppy co where the boys sneak away to investigate they are captured by francis francis ceo of puppy co who reveals that he was the previous he was previously the boss of baby corp but started to slowly age because he was intolerant to the formula resulting in him being fired and sent to live with a family he steals baby's formula intending to use it to make a forever puppy incapable of aging which will take all the love from babies and give the and and give him his revenge on baby corp francis think whisks tim's parents away to a conference in las vegas and leaves his brother eugene to watch the children in disguise as a female nanny without the formula baby starts to periodically revert to normal infant behavior the boys escape eugene and reach las vegas where they find francis ready to send a rocket of forever puppies out into the world tim's parents hear their children but are locked up underneath the rocket to be burned. Tim and Baby fight Francis on a raised walkway and knock him into the vat of augmented formula, where he turns back into a baby and is taken home by Eugene. Baby is taken back to Baby Corp and promoted to CEO, while Baby Corp employees remove evidence of Baby and wipe his parents' memories of him. Baby and Tim soon realize that they miss each other, and Tim invites Baby back, saying if there is one love, if, if, yeah, saying if there is one love enough for one of them, Baby can have it all realizing that love is something that grows instead of being split. Baby returns, this time as a normal infant boy named Theodore Ted Templeton. Years later, as adult, Tim and Ted are, tell the story to Tim's eldest daughter, who is apprehensive about the arrival of her newborn baby sister. After the adults leave, the newborn girl reveals that she is a boss baby too, surprising the elder daughter. Okay, so there was some, yeah, thing, but it was so yeah, yeah. So, Getting into the trivia about this. About seven minutes into the film, when Tim watches Boss Baby exit the car, Tim is wearing a T-shirt with the digits mm-hmm. zero 01 imprinted. Yeah. However, when he gets down the stairs, the digits change to 02. This indicates him being relegated to second place by Boss Baby. Mm-hmm. Young Timothy, played by Miles Bakshi, has a Gandalf-themed alarm clock. Bakshi's grandfather... Ralph Bakshi directed the original Lord of the Rings from 1978. Are mm-hmm. a certain film we recently reviewed. Yes. We'll get some more of Bakshi films at a later date. Yes. I know someone who really wants us to review Wizards. A mutual friend. Yes, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. He made me watch it the other night. Yeah, well, a few weeks ago. Really? it's a weird film. It was, what was it, the 70s or 80s? It was before Fire and Ice. Oh, oh yeah, so that been like the late 70s. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. It is Ralph patches so it's a little weird. Yes. Alec Baldwin's line, "Cookies are for closers," is a spoof of the Glen Gary Glen Gary Glenn Ross 19, from for 1982 line, "Coffee is for closers." That is a tongue twister. Yes, I don't know what a Glen Gary Glen Ross is, but anyway, I'm assuming it's a movie. Mm -hmm. When Tim jumps up to his home's second story during the early chase scene, the sound effect is from The Six Million Dollar Man from 1974. Really? Yeah. Huh. Near the beginning, when the toy steam train is being activated, different toys foreshadow the plot. First, there is a taxi in which the baby is delivered. Then a police car a fire engine in which the babies chase Tim. There's a barn referencing the family going to Puppy Co., then a game of Mousetrap, in which Tim and Boss get sent to Francis Francis. Then an airplane, in which Tim's parents fly. Then a pirate ship, referring to Tim and Boss Baby imagining their plane as a pirate ship. Then a habit trail in which Tim climbs to get to his parents. Then a rocket, which is where the forever puppies are being launched. Mm. Habit trails are those things that uh, hamsters climb up and down. Oh, okay. I had yeah. to look that one up. Didn't know that. In the scene where Tim discovers the Boss Baby on the phone to Baby Corp, a light, bright toy can be seen in the background depicting a graph from babies going down and puppies going up, a hint of the baby's mission. The scene where Tim and Boss Baby attempt to steal and replace a fa from Puppy Co. is a parody of the famous opening scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark, in which Indiana Jones attempts to steal an idol from a temple any kind of backburners on. Mm-hmm. When Eugene is dressed up as a nanny type woman to take care of the boys, he resembles Mary Poppins. <laughs> then Frances Francis says that she's practically perfect in every way, which is how the titular character, Mary Poppins, describes herself in the movie. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to the end of the trivia. hmm So, what is your first like for this film? My first like for this film would be uh, young Tim's imagination. Mm -hmm. Because there again, be like, I've always had overactive imagination when I was a kid. And as an adult, being an artist, be like, you just imagine things all the time to draw it. So, the, the expression of artistic level, and as one reviewer put it, is like all the... All the dreams, are the are the uh, the imaginary dream sequences mm-hmm. that we think are imaginary sequences. Uh, you know, we have opinions on. for our listening audience. We have opinions on that in a minute. Yes, we do. Um, are done so well. It's kind of a throwback to the '50s, '60s kind of style of like commercialism and mm-hmm. or uh, uh, advertising. Whatever it's done incredibly well. It's it's almost like a different art style, a different level of animation they use in those sequences. They're done incredibly well, and I mean, like there again, be like, and when we get towards the end of this movie, it's like everything goes into like hyperdrive imagination. You don't know what's real, you don't know what's um, and, and I'm, and I'm like. Yeah, I can't talk to them. It's so weird. But uh, like, words are hard. Yes, words are hard sometimes. So, like, even towards the third act of this film, you get where things get the blur between reality and imagination. And, like, it looks amazing. It's amazing animation in every fashion or form. And uh, so, yeah, just the the dreams, the dream sequences, the um, the uh, overactive imagination of young Tim's world and how he views everything, and yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit later and our dislikes in some large capacity. Uh, but yeah, Tim's imagination throughout his entire film is just like, wow, this is fun. My first life of this film is actually the same thing. I'm going to jump off of here. Okay. It is the imaginative art style more than anything else. Yeah. It's not just the fact that he's got an overactive imagination mm-hmm. and he jumps in and out of it, yeah. even though I like that because it just makes me think back to Calvin and Hobbes, my favorite comic well, strip of, course. of all time. Uh, so I appreciate that being in here and them, uh, and, and the way it goes back and forth. It's like sometimes you don't know if you're – in the real world or in the imagination, yeah, it goes back and forth. And there's times when it's obvious you're in imagination. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you're in the real world, quote unquote, if you're looking at it going, are we? Because mm-hmm. some of this is a little more fantastic than it seems like it should be for this setting. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to tell just the way it's set up. Uh and I appreciate that. I, I, I said uh, before the show, a lot of the issues I could easily lobby at this mm-hmm. are immediately like uh, rationalized away in my own mind as that's his imagination. Yeah. Any all the weird continuity glitches, that's that's his imagination switching gears because this is this is being told from a child's perspective, yeah. and it's being told. From an adult telling the story to another child, yeah. So there's going to be glitches. Oh yeah. That and these are actually done in a way that's not really detrimental to the story. Right. And they're forgivable, and it's mostly like weird quirks. Mm. And I appreciate that. That's so yeah. My first thought is the imagination of Tim and how it affects the story as a whole. Yeah. Uh, my second like would be the relationship between Boss Baby and young Tim. Because you have these two people that are obviously they don't like each other at first they are so polar opposites because Tim is seven remember correctly? he's seven yeah he's seven years old his baby shows up out of nowhere you know you know obviously mom' was pregnant and all of a sudden you know car shows up be like baby shows up in suit it's like what in the world's going on and, uh, and it seems to be like I'm, I'm being neglected my parents so love me whatever uh, which I think could be a real thing but there again my younger brother was born like, like a little after a year after I was born so I really didn't catch any of that he was just there mm-hmm. but um, yeah it's this idea these two characters they do not get along at first and they kind of mutually agree to work with each other you know they become frenemies for enemies for a time and then overall throughout the course of the movie, the, the uh yeah, was the course of the movie, the progression of the film, like these two characters actually start to become brothers. And you know, like there's the, the the camaraderie they have, what their their mission their their mission went from, oh, we've got gotta do this to where they're in tandem with everything. They're partners in crime, but they're brothers. And uh, I I found towards the end of the film it was so sweet. Where you had uh, Boss Baby was converting converting back into his natural state of a baby, mm-hmm. and I found where Tim was like you know calling his brother and trying to make it feel better. Definitely towards the like the climax of the film where the Rocket and his brother get off and Boss Baby is converted into his his child his baby form, and uh, Tim is being like the best big brother to his little brother, and it was so sweet. And then you get the um, the end, like the uh, they both get what they want, but they really don't want that. They be like they realize like, they like they do love each other as brothers. They want to be around each other. They want to grow up with each other, and uh, I I found that very touching. Where Boss Baby he gets what he wants, but it's not really what he wants. And this idea of family and you know being part of a, a group, a family, and what drives him to give up everything in order to be back with Tim and his parents. And I love that. Whereas it's, yeah, it was touching. It was a touching moment where boss baby kind of just gave up everything he wanted, everything he's ever dreamed of to become the boss. And he gives it up because he has learned that family matters and he knows what it means to have a family. And he wants that. And so, yeah, I just, I found that very touching, very moving. And, um, It's like yeah, I'd be like if if you do more of a parallel with the you know, the Christian worldview, Mm -hmm. is be like you take that, you know, the idea of community, community, uh, be like you you look at each other, be like if you are a Borean Christian, and be like for I know a lot of people, some people, it's more like it's like well I don't need church, I don't need church, be like I can just you know read my Bible and do whatever, but if you are in a a church, you're in a community, you're in a group of people that you can build each other up, and you can learn to grow with each other. Because uh, Drew is a brother of mine, like in Christ. Right. And he's you know, kind of like an adopted brother in a way, in a lot of ways, because we've worked together for so long. And uh, it's it's cool that we can go together and talk to you about stuff. And uh, we've had so many conversations in back parking lots about yes. everything. It's so great. Uh, Even when it's 85. Five degrees 85 outside. degrees and almost 10 o'clock at night. 11 o'clock. Standing night. on a on a blacktop that has been absorbing the sun all day. Yeah, that was fun. But uh it's like being at Six Flags without the screaming. Kind of, yeah, kinda of, <laughs> kind of. You're not kidding. At 10 o'clock at night, so oh my gosh, my feet are gonna burn. Yeah. But it's like it's if you if you have a relationship with Christ and you want to become around other believers. And that's the way you grow up, be like, yeah, one is like having communion with God and uh, through prayer and through uh, reading of his word mm-hmm. and also being around other Christians to build you up. And those who are like they see, be like, hey, you're slipping, you're slipping. Hey, let's, you know, get back into, uh, you know, you know, I'm going to help you get you know, back to where you need to be. And I think it's one of the world doesn't really realize what Christianity Is it's you like it's about it's the church, the union, or uh, you know, the universal church. So, yeah, it's 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 got that that mindset to be like, you have family, you have family that be like, even be like, maybe if you don't really have your own biological family, maybe your own family abandoned you, but your 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 church family is going to be there for you if they if they have a true grounding in Christ, his resurrection, his death. And what be like he what he did for us and to you know be there for us whenever you know never never leave us never forsake us and just to just to you know be with us when our hard times and our our, our brothers and sisters of Christ are gonna be there for us. And it's it's touching. It's touching definitely as a Christian and you see that and it's like yep and definitely for someone who has younger brothers, um, I, I don't feel like I, I have a bad tendency of not talking to people. It's not a, it's not a, be like, I don't want to talk to people. It's more, it's, it's out of sight. mind. I just don't think about it, but um, it kind of made me think. It's like, I really need to call my younger brothers and be like, checking out how they're doing parents a little bit. But yeah, that, that was my second. I know it was long-winded, but uh, yeah, family. Well, I, I love that aspect of it. It was really cool. These two kids who came together, did like each other, came together to solve a problem that ultimately wanted, you know, becoming, you know, true brothers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my second like. My second like is the scene where they're infiltrating Puppy Co. Oh. Boy. And he's, and the boss baby is having to pretend to be a puppy. Oh, gosh. Because he can't, no matter what he does. Especially like that part where they're, he's, all the other, he's going out, he's passing the guard, the other puppies are, you know, yipping after him, and he just turns him and goes, bark, and just keeps walking. <laughs> that Made me laugh so hard. Oh, that was good. It was like, I, because it was, it, it was funny to watch. Yeah. Uh, I can't say it's, it's a particularly brilliant scene. Right. But, because a lot of that is just like, okay. But it's like, there, but watching them trying to get through that, get through that, I was like, oh my word, this is <laughs> not going to go as well as you think it is. Right. And by this point, I'm already aware who Francis Francis has to be because there's only one person that could be. Yeah. They just talked about Big Fat baby or whatever his name yeah. was. Uh, so yeah, uh infiltrate infiltrating puppy Co. Mm. is my second like. I got you. My, What's your third. My third like would actually be the the use of camera. Use okay. The camera throughout this entire film. Because uh, they the be like when like uh Tim realizes something's going on, it'd be like he uses a dutch angle. Mm-hmm. For any of those who don't know what dutch angle is, it's it's a French form of uh camera operation. Or be like either you're shooting a camera or you're using a. Um, it's if you've ever watched uh, the 1966 Batman series, when they're showing the villains in their lair, that that part. Yeah. Or if yeah. you ever watched uh, the original Thor, all those times when the camera is at an angle, that's a Dutch angle. Yeah, that's a Dutch angle. I love Dutch angles. So be like the they, the use of camera where they use flyovers and everything. It, it's not be like just standard run of a mill kind of use of camera, use of angle. They're, they're using every angle possible to, sh- you know, uh, illustrate what they want to do in the film, and I enjoy that for what for what it's used for. And uh, it's like, yeah, more Dutch angles. My third, like... It's, it's, I think you already said it already, but okay. it's the ending of the film. Okay. I... By the, At the end of this film, you know, our, uh, the Boss Baby and Tim have gotten both what they wanted. And they both realize, mm-hmm. yes, this is what I wanted, but it's not what I want anymore. Yeah. And Tim sends that letter. How he knew where to send it, I don't know. But yeah. whatever. I'm not going to fight that one. Uh, so Tim sends that letter. And that's what gets... Uh, Ted, as we'll learn, mm-hmm. to give up his corner office and mm-hmm. do everything he can to make sure he goes to a family. Now how he good to a specific family, I don't know. That was a little odd. Just I don't know what ha- I don't know how how this I think you're just supposed to that's one of the things I just accept because it's like, okay, yeah, the story needs that to happen. That's, I'm fine with that. That's not that big a deal. But uh but that whole thing where they both come to realize they miss each other mm-hmm. despite the fact how much they hated each other in the beginning. Oh yeah. Uh, I I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I completely agree. And that's my third punk. Yeah. But But I have a big dislike I need to get off my chest. Uh, okay. Going dislikes. What's your first my thing? first dislike is this story actually happening or is it? Is Tim's imagination? Because it starts off being Tim's imagination. But halfway through the film you realize most of this can't be his imagination. It has to be happening. Yeah. He is dealing with Baby Co and maybe the Baby Corp and Puppy Co and this baby is actually there talking like a human and somehow turns the neighborhood kids that way too. Don't know how that works. But all of this is going on, and I'm sitting here going, now oh, wait a minute. This started off as being obviously part of Tim's imagination and how he just kind of sort of remembers his baby brother getting there. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing with the boss baby is actually a rather brilliant idea of the baby comes in, automatically it's the boss of the family because it requires so much attention mm-hmm. that he, uh, Tim is feeling Neglected, neglected. yeah that's brilliant that's cool. a very smart way to go about mm-hmm. that but the longer it goes really honestly about the time that he is trying to listen in on the baby meeting mm-hmm. which is kind of a weird part because it's like that's where the entire story changes isn't that mean is yeah that meeting? it does shift. Yeah. It's, goes from being this might be how, how he imagines all this happening like all the other imagination mm-hmm. stuff we had seen up to that point. But except, oh, this is somehow real. The parents, the, the adults don't see it because, of course, the adults don't see it. see it. That's yeah. the shtick of this entire genre. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they get, uh, uh, they get grounded where they are. Tim gets grounded until he can get along with the baby. Yeah. Here's a question. Yeah. which like That was a weird term. How old is Boss Baby? Well, I I don't mean how old is the character while he was been up in Baby Corp. Don't mean how long he's been working for Baby Corp. I mean in relation to when he arrived in the taxi. Yeah. To baby meeting because there's obviously some time there. Yeah. How much time passed? How much from the parents' point? How old from the parents' point of view is Boss Baby? Couple of days old. Couple of days old. Yeah. Maybe two. Three. And I'm willing to bet that the triplets, Stacy and whatever the big one's name was, whose yeah. name I can't remember. Ned? Ned. I think it was Ned. It was that. They all appear to be around the same age. And since they do are they are still intelligent, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that they are for lack of a better term, the away team being sent from Baby Corp to do all mm-hmm. this to work as a team in order to find out where Puppy Co. is. So they all were born within the last couple days, and they're already having a play date? I've I've heard play dates, like, at a really young age. At five days? Not really. I'm sorry. That baby's baby's not going to be wanting to move around. Now, granted, suspension of disbelief. You're not supposed to be thinking about that this hard. But at the same time, I'm sitting there going, how much time has passed? because it's not obvious especially as quickly and granted, there's things like he walks up to the door and they turn and, and the parents turn around and it's like look it's your baby brother and it's like no i could i can actually just like a year, like a year old year he's acting a year old at, from in terms of the way his character model is developed yeah. mm-hmm. and the way he acts when he's pretending to be a baby and when he is actually reverting to baby status yeah at that point i can see okay yeah there might have been some play days with the babies playing around and the adults wouldn't have left the room but exactly i can see this happening but that's not what we're seeing we're seeing it at five days i know i'm being pedantic yeah i know this but And I know some of this, I I want to rationalize away Mm -hmm. with this is Sim's imagination, how he's seeing uh, his relegation to being, to not being the special one anymore. Yes. I understand that. My problem is it's not consistent throughout the film. Mm -hmm. That's in the time frame. I, I'm not expecting him to be an adult by the end of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is an adult by the end of this, because yes. there's a time jump. But yes. uh, I'm not expecting him to be... I don't know. It's just there's this big, huge... There's, there's a lot that you're supposed to suspend your disbelief for. Yeah. And, there, and And in order for me to suspend my disbelief, things have to follow a set of rules established by the movie. This early, early on, the movie sets rules that if you see something strange and odd and not consistent with a comedic version of what a house looks like when a new baby is born, mm-hmm. you are seeing Tim's imagination. Yeah. Grant, I can see Tim's parents coming home in a taxi and then walking through the door and saying, Look, Tim, it's your, look who's here. It's your brother. Yeah. I could see them running, him running down to meet his parents. Mm-hmm. And I can see how his imagination, especially looking back on it, would make it think like this is the 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 baby arrived this way, Mm -hmm. and he's of course dressed in a suit because he's the boss baby. He's the boss. And they even make the the jokes like, well, he carries around a briefcase. It's like, well, you still carry around Lamb Lamb. Mm. Poor Lamb Lamb. Lamb, Yeah, poor poor Lamb Lamb. Okay, at least at least we see Lamb Lamb is intact towards the end of the film. Yes, but she was Goth for a while. Yeah, (laughs) Goth Lamb. She had a nose ring, an eyebrow ring. That's yeah, you're right. Yeah, dolphin. <laughs> just missing black fur, uh, and, and eyeliner. Right. But uh, I'm sorry that I got off on a weird tangent there. Like we haven't done that all night. I know, but I mean, it just is so. It's it, it, it. doesn't follow the uh, halfway through the film. It stops following its rules about if this looks different from what. Yeah. It's there. were It's you know you think it's supposed to be happening. If it's something weird and fantastical, it's got to be Tim's imagination. Half the stuff in this movie can't be Tim's imagination because the, because for one thing you get, you're not going to happen to find, get you get on a plane with a bunch of Elvis impersonators mm-hmm. and no one bad an eye, especially yeah. if you're going to sit in first class. Yeah. Granted. I like the cool bit there where they're pretending to be on a pirate ship. That was a cool yeah, moment. That was cool. But, but, and the Elvis impersonator stuff, that was funny. Yeah. How all that worked. But at the same time, this movie does not follow its own rules. I agree. It doesn't. Starting halfway through the film, it's just like, what would be the funniest thing to see on screen right now? hmm Elvis impersonators, a flood of them. hmm I'm sitting there going, that's, that's funny, but it doesn't follow the rules. Yeah. It blurs the it blurs the line between reality and the imagination, and it doesn't do it in a good way. No, it doesn't. So yeah, that's my first dislike. So my that's first... my big logistical error. Okay. So yeah, mine is the exact same thing. It's the 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 constant blurring between reality and imagination, because there again, like you see Tim's imagination is very active and very. Uh, hyper, like, hyper. Mm-hmm. Be like, you see where he's playing pirates, or he's, you know, scuba diver, or stuntman, or something like that. He's saving the day. Whatever, like, you, know, most little boys do. And then you get, be like, obviously, how, you know, Drew described where the boss baby shows up. It makes sense the way he would think this, and plus, he's thinking of this, in retrospectively, as an adult telling his daughter. Mm-hmm. So, like, you get what's going on because it's from Tim's uh, Nation, but then everything just begins to blur Like towards the middle of the th- second arc, the second the second arc? Am I saying that right? Second arc? Yeah, second the arc, arc is a good use for it. Yeah, second arc and the third arc of the film, where those two things, the reality and imagination, blur completely to where you don't know what's real and what's reality. Like, you have the point where, Mm -hmm. like, they go to Puppy Cow. Like, some of that's okay, we get it. But then you get into, be like, oh, we're gonna go fly here. Like Drew said, be like, yeah, it's great, it's a funny little gag, but then everything is just blurred. You don't know what's real, what's reality. Or what's imagination, what's reality. And just the entire third act is like, what in the world is going on? Because I'm thinking it's like, it's like oh this is this has to be Tim's imagination but no they're actually doing it. Yeah, and it's just like it was so baffling at the end of this movie. It was like what It'd be like what am I watching now? Because it, it has this be like this con like Drew said be like it be like we get this amazing setup of what be like okay when you see something fantastical it's Tim's imagination. But by the end of the film Everything's like overactive imagination, and it was just so baffling. It was so confusing in some ways. It was mm-hmm. like, what in the world is happening here? So yeah, it's the the severe blur between reality and fa- and uh, imagination. It gets so jumbled up. Towards right. The- I understand where they're tr- they're going, but good night. Set your rules and keep your rules. Don't, because for... Makes th- for a better story when you exactly. follow your rules. Exactly. And DreamWorks, you know this. Mm-hmm. You are normally very good at following these rules that you set for yourself. Yep. And there's just only so much I can forgive. Yeah. So yeah, that's, my, that's my first it's like the, the blurring between reality and the fantasy world. Mm-hmm. What's your second dislike? My second dislike, and I—I I admit this. I know this is a story about mm. from being told from a kid's point of view. Mm. So things are just going to turn at an angle, at a ninety-degree angle. Yes. Or a hundred and eighty-degree angle when you do you, you do something. Tim is grounded. Not because he can't get along with the baby, right? Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. If what the parents were seeing was just them going out and he's looking like he's getting ready to launch the baby like a catapult, that already is not two weeks. Okay. That is a month, Mm -hmm. at least, because you are going to damage the child. From their point of view, Boss Baby is a baby. Yeah. Not any different from Tim when he was that age. Yeah. He just, it looks like Tim is going to kill the baby. Oh, yeah. From their point of view. Oh, yeah. And he just Now, says- they don't know that Boss Baby's a little bit more resilient considering everything else that just went through in that scene. Exactly. And prior to that part. but And that's where some of the blurring goes. Right. And you don't know. So it's like, you're going to ground Tim. Mm-hmm. Because he nearly killed the baby. Okay, I don't exactly know what else you're going to do to keep, to, 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 uh, to, to, to uh, punish without being overly critical. Because maybe yeah. Tim doesn't know. Yeah. Granted, Tim's not used to being not special. Yeah. And they're trying. They're trying to be good, kind parents. Mm-hmm. But two days of what has to be. What would obviously be we are somehow both making sure that Tim is ungrounded in two days, Yeah, being way too easy along. Kids don't turn around that fast. No. Not to the degree we see. No. Grant, I know it's comedy. It's meant to be a joke. It's meant to be. I know what's going on. I'm just looking at it from the parents' point of view. Yeah. The parents should not have made this turn that quickly. Yeah. And then because the boss says you both have to go to the convention, but where I'm going to set you up with our super nanny service or whatever it is. Uh, so you don't have to watch either of your kids. I can see them being pressured into it. I still can't imagine why they would let some stranger like that take care of a five day old. Mm -hmm. What most companies at least give the mother some time to, you know, Recover after birth? Yeah. Grant, I grant this is supposed to be evil company or this is supposed to be a, a company being run by an evil person. Mm-hmm. And he's gotta have them both there because they're getting ready to launch this new product. A brand new puppy. Yeah. That will yeah. never die, which sounds ter- More on that, that problem well, on my third dislike. Yes, yeah, Because I have an issue with that. Yes. Uh, well, Let's just say the only thing I'll get to it in a minute, but uh, if Puppy Co is going to survive, releasing a product that never deteriorates yeah. is not a good move. No, it's not. You're gonna have to come up with some planned obsolescence. So I'll get to more of that in a minute. Yeah, but there's so much the, the there's no way he was he could have been ungrounded that fast, especially when ungrounding is you get to go to take your kid to work day yeah that's just what kid wants to go to take your kid to work day sometimes i know sometimes and i know there's a lot of you know trying to get together and being and, and trying to promote family togetherness within the company and it gives great image but i'm still sitting there going i don't care how much i loved my parents I would not want to go to the take your kid to work day you see in these things Yeah, where they're pandering to the children. They have kid carnivals, which what company is going to spend that much money? Yeah. That that's happens. a problem I've had with that shtick for a while. Yeah. Uh, I just don't get it. I guess that's what it comes down to. Is I okay. don't get the logic behind what goes on with the parents. Fair, okay, I totally get it. That's what it comes down to. I don't get the logic with the parents. What's your it. second dislike? My second like kind of follows. I think we're our our dislikes and likes are kind of following each other. So my second like would be this like. Dislike, sorry, this like is the is the story goes off the rails. Let's just say this. So we we have a plot convenience. where obviously Tim has been grounded and the parents automatically, because they mention the, they be like oh this is part where we're gonna go here and it's just so conveniently like they're like oh Tim gets to go ever since he's only been grounded for two days and there again the two characters somehow are automatically getting getting along after that but it doesn't make sense because with two younger brothers you get mad at each other. It takes some time to get over things. Now, granted, we got over things pretty quick, but it's like, yeah, a five-year, a five-day-year-old and a seven-year-old, that's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. But overall, be like, you get this plot, plot contrivance of, oh yeah, take your kids to you know work today, kind of ordeal, and it's just like, okay, that's just too convenient. That's way too convenient for a story. Um, and Tim be like, if Tim would have like made up for something, and they kind of uh, uh, the boss Baby and Tim kind of work together to kind of you know make that work, but then it's it just it's plaque of and then it's the the um, yeah, the, the, there's so much to the movie the, the the plot kind of just it, it it just it serves up what what they mm-hmm. want for the for the what to happen. Instead of let's build into that and let's make it creative, let's make it inventive to make the story move along faster or make uh, at a good beat, they just literally, they just, will be like, oh, plucky beans. There you go. And it was so annoying, so annoying. And it's just like, and I'll get into my, my, my dislike, my third dislike in a minute. But oh my gosh, the, the third act of this movie is so ridiculous. It's just like just plocking me. It's plocking me. It's plocking me. It's over and over and over again until your teeth are hurting. It's like really be like they get on a plane with no ticket. They mug somebody to get their ticket. And they get in first class and I mean, like I understand that it's all for gags. It's all for funny. But there, again, be like, don't play dumb to your audience. Be like, kids are smart. So, you know, do something that's a little more creative. And, like, the third act of this movie is so wacky. I mean, like, it literally turns a decent story to a, you know, a good story to kind of like, what the heck are we doing now? Mm -hmm. And then I'll get into my third final dislike in a minute. I guarantee Drew's going to step on it, and then I'm going to step right back on it. Drew? So, we live in an age where we have to replace devices regularly. Yes. We all have cell phones that we know is probably, are probably going to have to throw away in five years and buy a new one because it's just not going to work anymore. Yeah, exactly. We all drive lots well, of we all drive. A lot of us drive cars that are good for maybe 10 years. Yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. A lot of us are used to buying a new television on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I play video games. So I'm used to buying consoles mm-hmm. on a regular basis. A big plan of a lot of companies is planned obsolescence to make sure that the, the product is good enough that you're not going to want to return it, but at a certain time, you'll be able to buy an upgrade and be mm-hmm. willing to spend the same amount of money over again. Exactly. Two things, now that I've brought that up. Mm-hmm. Why does only one company in the world have access to puppies? Which is... Just- weird. Baby Corp doesn't make sense because it's a heavenly business. Yeah. You kind of get the feeling. Puppy Corp is human. Mm Mm-hmm. It's run by humans. Granted, if you say like, oh, this is Puppy Corp and we're making new breeds of dogs, Mm -hmm. but you can still get dogs elsewhere Mm -hmm. that I can live with. But okay, so puppies only come from one company. Put that into the rules of the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. Here's the other problem. Why are you going to release one puppy that will never deteriorate, that will never grow old, it will be perfect for the rest of eternity? Because the way this makes it sound like, the puppy will not grow older and he will probably be resilient from every disease and not die. Because mm-hmm. that's basically what that puppy baby formula does. to yes. The babies. Mm-hmm. So they have to drink it regularly. Somehow this is going to be The puppies aren't going to have to drink the formula regularly. I don't get how that works, but logistics, maybe think some of this through better. But here's the thing. As much, I know the reason he's wanting to do this is to take all the love away from babies so he can stick it to Baby Corp and put it on puppies, which he owns a controlling interest in. Yeah. I get that. Here's the problem. After you've destituted Baby Corp, which is going to cause a lot more problems in this world, worldwide be- problems, worldwide problems, uh, you still have to sell puppies. Yeah, and you're not going to sell puppies now. Granted, maybe this this I just considered this. Maybe it's his end goal. If. Pup, if uh, there's not going to be any more babies, which is what's going to happen if mm-hmm. Baby Corp goes away, right? You have a limited number of customers to sell puppies to, and then you have immortal puppies who will outlive the babies. Yeah, and then the world will be overrun by immortal puppies. Oh, that is oh my. And the thing is, the way they the immortal puppy, the way they draw it, uh-huh. this is a very happy dog who doesn't look like he understands sadness. No. He doesn't look like the kind that would comfort you when you're sad, like when you just learned that uh, there will be no more humans mm-hmm. on this planet. And the puppies are going, love me, love me, love me, love me! Yeah, that's not what he's actually saying, but that's right. kind of how I interpret it. Because yeah. they don't show these these puppies look fake. They look robotic. Yeah, they look like a... Like if like they were a... robot puppies, I'd go with that, but these are supposed to be living, breathing puppies. Yeah. They're never going to grow into adult dogs. That's a lot of energy that's going to kill the last couple humans. Oh, yeah. Because the forever puppies are going to want attention. Mm -hmm. But if they're also immortal and never growing up, that means they can never grow into an intelligent species to take over the planet like most sci-fi would show. So... Granted, I don't think I'm supposed to think about it this hard. But... This is what happens when you leave these big loopholes in the thing to not explain, not even, you could have had, that's the thing. Boss Baby could have, himself, could have easily nipped this in the bud by, after, you know, the villain, uh, big fat ugly Boss Baby, who's now Francis Francis, Mm -hmm. tells what's going to happen, monologues, why does Boss Baby, the intelligent boss uh, businessman that he is, not just turn around going, "If uh, what are you going to do when when you can't sell puppies anymore?" All you had to do was have the Boss Baby ask the ask the obvious question mm-hmm. about what are you going to do when you can't sell the puppies anymore, and your program and your company goes out of business. Yeah, what are you going to do then? You are going to be in bad shape. That would have fixed all my problems. I could just like, oh, you have thought about this movie. Good. I can move on. Yeah. And I I can still go with the acceptance that Francis Francis is being short-sighted because he's solely out for revenge. Mm -hmm. But they never never give Mm -hmm. me what I want. Yeah. And that's be logical. That's the thing. You can be funny and be logical at the same time. Mm-hmm. You have rules, follow them. You there is still stuff that has to happen. You don't ignore it and don't go. Don't ever do that sort of thing where it's like, surely no one will notice this. Mm-hmm. You forget that there are people on the internet like us two boneheads who review this stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't just assume. Oh, only kids are going to watch it. Yeah. No, their parents are going to also, and it should be enjoyable for them as well. Exactly. Be thinking try cover as many bases as you can, and if for some reason you can't you it makes sense to not come right out and explain it, make it easy to infer. True. All I ask. True. What's your third dislike? My third dislike goes around the exact same thing is you have this enormous plot hole with uh, Francis J. Francis winning his revenge against uh, Baby Co. With "I'm gonna make forever puppy" and then like, oh, that's gonna put Baby Co. Out of business, and that just it turns into this tidal wave of issues, which is never addressed because there again, it's all about the fun, it's all about the action, it's all about the the silliness of everything and all the the baby jokes you can throw at it. And it just throws this enormous wrench into your story, where, like Drew said, be like, and you're no longer have the population of the planet is going to diminish extremely. Like some people say nowadays, like, oh my gosh, the the uh, the rate the birth rate has dropped. You think be like that's bad? Like, yeah. Baby co guys. That been, there's no more babies. That means no one be like no one else grows up. Be like everybody else grows up, and there's no more children. Yeah. And then you have these forever puppies, which I think it might have been um, Francis J. Francis's whole objective is just to be like did He just want to destroy the world because he he be like he got ran out. And was, like there again, you're a boss. You're going to get replaced at some point. You're not going to be the boss forever. And uh, you'll retire one day. You'll retire, or get thrown out, or you'll do something stupid, and they'll replace you. And uh, it was just, it was just the the this whole third act plot. And like even like when we un- we understood what Boss Baby's really doing, it's like really this is a really dumb plot. Mm-hmm. This is really really stupid because it's not fleshed out. It, there's no real. Hey, let's let's you know get the adult audience engaged with this and make them think about this. But no, it, it's just it's just a dumb, stupid plot. That oh my gosh, we got to stop this pup, this new puppy design coming because uh, uh, babies are gonna get out are gonna get out loved by puppies, which is the dumbest idea on the planet. Because there's only a finite amount of love in the world. Yeah, exa- yeah. Like uh, that's how it works, Jim. Yeah, exactly. Because there again, like, Jim uh, Kirk, not Jim Heron. Yeah, I thought you. I knew you were talking about. It. Darn it, Jim, I'm a podcaster, not a, not a, not a. I'm a podcaster, not a gynecologist. <laughs> Better one than I was thinking. Anyway, but anyways, yeah. This this plot in this movie is so dumb. Or at least the, the 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 big objective of the boss babies that oh my gosh we gotta stop puppies from you know, these these super puppies from being created because we're we're gonna not get loved and we're gonna get pushed out of the way it's just like this is dumb this is a really really dumb story and then you get the whole third act where everything is just so overly blown imaginary wise that you don't like you can't distinguish what's reality and what's fantasy. Watch uh, imagination like this. Like you get into the movie solid, and you get imagination. You get the boss baby, and then it just you turn to that meeting, and then everything kind of goes, yep, turns upside down. And that's be like yeah, the ending where the boss baby he gives up his his seat, gives up his corner office to go live with the Templetons, great. I thought that was a great point in the story, but everything in the middle, when it comes to like the the third act or the third arc of the story, or the second act of the story, just is flipped on its head because we get this really, really dumb story of, we have to prevent this this hybrid, this uh, super dog from being created And they fail, obviously. And it's just, and there's, there's the other thing. Be like, they don't prevent the dogs from getting away. It's like they just let the dogs go, Mm -hmm. and people are still gonna go gaga over these dogs. And if if your objective was to stop it, you haven't. You just set up, set the apocalypse. You have set Skynet upon the planet. In the form of puppies. In the form of puppies. Cute adorable puppies who will never die. Instead of cyber do, you know, cyber dying uh robot. Cyber dog. Cyber dog. Yeah, it's a cyber dog. It's 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 a turmodog. It's a turma dog. That this plot literally falls apart because then you have this immortal cute puppy dog who's never gonna die and it's gonna outlive everybody else because there's no more humans on the world. And it's the dumbest plot in this film. And it's so freaking stupid. They, they don't explain it. It's not be like, like I said before, give your audience something to grab a hold of. They don't. They just be like, it's gag, gag, silly poop jokes, pee jokes, whatever. Let's throw it out there. Let's have fun and not think about the plot and not think about your main overarching theme. Mm-hmm. like, Good, like, the theme of the movie. Good idea. The plot is stupid. So, yeah, that's my third dislike in this film. I have a bonus dislike. Hmm. <laughs> what color is the hair of the female boss baby at the end of the film? I don't remember. Blonde. Okay. Have you seen any clips of what that character looks like in the second film? No. She's a redhead. Maybe they changed the boss. I'm just saying that's a continuity issue. Yeah. Okay, it's fair. supposed to, it looks like it's fair. supposed to be the same character. Oh, maybe you got a care guy. who knows? as a baby? yeah. <laughs> I don't know I've We'll get there when we get there because we'll have to review the second movie at some point. yes either way, what are you rating this film? Oh my gosh. So, I I, I, I watched the film first, and I was like, wow, this is a really good film. I thought I really enjoyed it. And then, I started thinking about what's my likes and dislikes, and be like, when, when you make your, your basis, your case for a film, and then you watch someone else's review over it, it makes you really rethink everything you just thought. It's like, do not get me wrong, the theme in the movie is great, but, you know, Two people who don't like each other have to work together, and then become family at the end of the film. I thought it was a great idea. The plot in this film is so stupid; mm-hmm. it is, it is just. I, I would agree with. I want to call him Tim, but it's Drew, because I keep thinking I'm not Tim. Tim, I know you're not Tim, but like everything else around this film, be like from the plot contrivances to the plot conveniences. It just makes this a not a good film. Be like, I enjoyed the animation. Do not compare. I love the animation in this movie. The performances are done very well. The fact that they're like Tobey Maguire is Tim, his older version, I thought that was great. Uh, Alec Baldwin as Fosdyke, I thought he did a really good job. Just the plot and like the overarching story is so stupid. So I'm gonna give this movie. It's it's such a toss-up. I can't give it a good rating, but it's got so many good parts to it when it comes to animation, creativity, and everything. It's got all this great stuff to it. It's just as a sucky plot, as a sucky story, and it's so contrived in storytelling. (sighs) I'm, I'm going to give this... I'm gonna give it a six. I'm gonna give it a six just because it has really good imagination. it has got some good bones in there as a store as like what they're doing with it. But oh like everything else except for like the theme of the show, everything else sucks. <laughs> so a six. I'm being a little nicer. Okay. I'm giving it a six point five. Okay. The imaginativeness of it is good. The story is Brilliant. decent. Mo- yeah. I still think a lot of my complaints about it were nitpicks. This is not a movie I'm jumping back in back for anytime yeah. soon. Right. Uh, it's decent. It's competent. Yeah, it's competent. I'll give it that. It is completely competent. But I can't do much more. Give you much more than that. It's got a lot of potential that it missed. Yeah. It's tried for a lot of stuff, but it failed miserably on a lot Mm -hmm. of it. So yeah, I'm giving it a six point five. All right. Next week, I sometimes forget to say this in this section. Yes. Next week, we are going to another film. Yes. That is uh, got the personification. I don't have a good transition for this. good. Good segue for this. Next week, we're reviewing Inside Out. Okay. Have you watched this one? Yes, I actually watched it in theaters. Oh, same here. Good movie. So yeah, next week we're watching Inside Out, so join us for that. Yes. Now we're going to play some uh, The Bumpers, and then when we get to um, On the Other Side, we'll talk about what we've been watching, what's in the news, and some X-Men. And I just realized the next person who who, who this week's uh, um, bumper is So Francisco, Roy, this is for you and how much you dislike disobedient children. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest the Retro Rewind podcast. Every other week, join the Retro Rewind pod as they travel back 15 years or more along the entertainment space-time continuum in their mission to review movies and games, establishing what is still worth your time today and what isn't. Expect fun banter and travel insights from Francisco, Paul, the master Interruptor powers, and a rotating cast of guest hosts, all of which are out of time. Curse you, Jared! The Cellcast would like to thank
1: the following patrons Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and not this person. To get your name on the show, plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast, plus reviews, and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon.
0: So, Jacob, I have a question for you.
1: What have you been watching?
0: So, what I've been watching, not a whole lot, because, well, we did a review for another podcast, which will come out, I don't know, when it's... Whenever. Whenever that does come out. Um, He's admittedly busy this weekend. Of course. No, he's at a con, MonsterCon. G-Con, what's it called? G-Fest. G-Fest. Yeah, G-Fest. Yeah, Godzilla Fest. But, uh, yeah, thanks, Nate. Uh, so what I was watching because, be like, I love surfing YouTube and uh, trying to find the historical documentaries or true crime or whatever, and I stumbled across a, a series that uh, 80, which they put out on YouTube. Uh, it's called Invisible Monsters, and it is about the five serial killers that were running from the 1970s until the early 2000s. Uh, that's going to be a pleasant topic. Oh yeah, but it was done very well. So you have uh, uh, Dennis Rader, BTK. Actually, it's, I feel I said that to somebody some like yeah, today. That was me yesterday. That's right. It was me. Like it was like BTK. Who the heck is BTK? You, all of us keep up with this stuff. That is true. Because like apparently you at one point in time you were which is off Kansas. I had family that lived up there. Yeah, I was like, what time were you there, and he... Described to me, like, oh yeah, Beats was there. Like that was his killing time. It was like, who? Dennis like, Rader? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know I would have been a child. Yeah. But uh that's like yeah, um uh like all the like the big killers from the seventies and the seventies and eighties, um Green River Killer, um I said Dennis Rader. But like all those others, I'm drawing a blank. Just, he listens just, to so much true crime. I don't yeah, want exactly. to ever make him mad because I may end up on a true crime podcast. If you catch hey. my meaning, uh, As a bit of ah, Yeah. <laughs> just don't make my girlfriend. <laughs> I'm aware of this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is a really good documentary series. They they pushed. They made everything together. Um, Ted Bundy, like Ted Bundy, um, oh, who's the the, the cannibal from Wisconsin? Uh, I'm drawing a blank, anyways. I'm terrible at remembering names. But nuance, you probably some of you guys are like, oh yeah, I saw this one. It's really good. They made a marathon of it on YouTube. I watched the entire thing. And, and others up here in the audience going, what is he talking about? This? My kids are in the car. <laughs> yeah, just don't go look them up. That's all I'm saying. Don't look them up because you're scared. You scare you're scared yourself sometimes. Uh, but uh yeah, like that it's a really, really good documentary series on YouTube. It's called Invisible Monsters, it's on the and channel A and E channel on YouTube. Uh you can go watch it. Great. Uh, if you love true grind, go watch it. If you just want to understand how messed up humanity can be, go watch that. That is very, very fascinating. The way they do it is done very well. And uh yeah, they still hadn't caught two of them by the 21st century, which was frightening. Let's just say that. But uh other than that, uh not a whole lot except I finished watching the two episodes we're gonna do for TAS and then I just continue watching and those are some funky episodes to say that. Because we're in season four, I think. I thought they were more phenomenal, or at least one of them was. Oh, my gosh. You're not kidding. That one episode. I was like, what in the world is going on? But, uh, yeah, that's what I've been watching. So, I don't think I like Secret Invasion. Okay. I fell asleep during when I tried to watch episode four. Oh, that's not good. (laughs) That is not good. I have been watching the show because it's like, that's an new Marvel show. I want to keep up with the stuff. Right. Um, keep up with the Marvels. The, 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 yeah, this is a weird... Just, I'm not getting into this. It's it's doing... It feels like they're all over the map Oh. Okay. on this one. There is a, a story and they are following it. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that they're trying to show all the different political maneuvers that are going on with the the scrolls and all that, and I'm sitting there going, "Huh, I don't. You're you're focused too much on the everything. You, I need to be focused on your main characters, which should be Fury and Talos, not what else, what what big crazy stuff's going on over here with this political with, with these people. Who's a scroll? Who's not a scroll? Granted, I know that's part of what Secret Invasion in the comics was, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like." Give me people to care about and stick with them. I don't like any of I'm not enjoying the show. Okay. That's what it comes down to. I'm just not enjoying the show. Fair. But I'm, but in terms of shows I'm enjoying watching, hmm. oh, my gosh, Strange New World has been good. I'm, I'm not as far as you would be enjoying Oh, that oh it has been so stinking good. Uh, Let's see, I think the last episode I talked about was the time travel one. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would mean this last episode, the episode I watched earlier this week was uh... oh, uh, they, they, they had an episode where uh, the away team went down to this planet and while they were down there, they all lost their memories. Oh, that's funny. And then this last episode, uh Spock and uh, Nurse Chapel, mm-hmm. they're in a uh, shuttlecraft, and they accidentally find their way into this uh, random space-time anomaly, mm-hmm. which, of course, first time I think, so. oh, space-time anomaly. Is this the episode that look, crosses over to Lower Decks? No, it's not. Same. It's even better. Oh. They, because they were both injured, mm-hmm. the aliens who were had in control of the space-time anomaly repaired them, to use their terminology. Org? No, this is just otherworldly creatures okay. who the language doesn't exactly translate. But the, uh, you know, Nurse Chapel is fully human. Spock is only half human. Oh. The other half is Vulcan. Spoken. And because they were getting mixed instructions working at his DNA and figured he must, is supposed to match Nurse Chapel, They They turned his ears away. (laughs) They turned him (laughs) human. They took away his ears. And for more fun, you don't know original Treks. You don't know the whole shtick about uh, the fact that Spock has been engaged for many years. No. And she doesn't leave him until an original series episode called A Mock Time. This is when they the wedge was put between them. (laughs) Because oh my gosh, he's human. He's he's got all human. This he, he's acting as human. He, he lost all every everything that was about him that was Vulcan. Yeah, is gone. He's human. He's he sm- he uh, smells like a human. That'd be a joke for people who pay attention. <laughs> he has the weaknesses of human. He has the strengths of humans, which is interesting. Which is real fun considering his um, Amanda. His mother is in this episode too. And they have this big, huge, uh, well, they're engaged. Spock and his, and his girlfriend are engaged. Okay. But they haven't gone through the official engagement ceremony yet because of scheduling conflicts. So is his girlfriend human or Vulcan? Vulcan. Very Vulcan. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is not going to go well. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Uh, sickbay cannot figure out how to turn him back so he has to try and go through the entire Vulcan ritual which is designed for Vulcans who are a little more hardy than humans okay I'll I'll put it this way first he has to uh, serve tea based on his uh, girlfriend's family's recipe in a traditional Vulcan teapot but traditional Vulcan teapots apparently do not have handles, and they're very hot because it, it doesn't bother Vulcans because they can stand the heat mm. a lot more. But he is not Vulcan. He's human right He's now. human, and you can see Ethan Peck, who plays Spock in the show, deserves an Emmy for this episode because he's playing Spock, who's a human, who's dealing with emotions, who then has to pretend to be the half Vulcan Spock. And it's just, like, so minute acting, and you're going, oh, my word. But then he has to go, to go well, part of, apparently, the Vulcan ritual is that you have to be made aware of your uh, things you can improve on. Mm-hmm. And um, Spock's future mother-in-law is a bit racist to humans. Oh, fun. And she lets... she lets into him pretty bad and he's you're watching you can see murderous intent on Spock's face but it's also not there because he's pretending to be Vulcan and and when that part of the issue says excuse me I need to go use the restroom he walks away and and that's when his mother says real Vulcan would have stronger bladders (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is he walks into the other room And I'm like, I've been here. I know what he's about to. He remember the story I told you about the time I nearly punched a woman at Walmart. Yes. I'm not going to get into the whole story here, folks. Just say crap happened. Yeah. He didn't punch somebody. I did. did. I nearly did. Been there, done that. (laughs) And I had to step into another room and do some silent screaming to get uh, Spock silent screamed. Oh. Okay. I'm like, I know where you're coming from, Spock. I know that feeling. (laughs) Uh, it's In a the- good episode, and you should go watch it. I've already spoiled too much of it. Go watch the episode. It is so good. Yeah. Anyway, also, I have been watching uh, Star Wars Rebels because, uh, A, I never finished it when it was originally airing. Yeah. I and it's very the- much appearing that Ahsoka, the mm-hmm. upcoming uh, TV series, yeah, is basically going to be Rebels season five. <laughs> Wow. But live action. Wow. Because uh, we know Sabine's showing up there talking about uh, Ezra. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know she's looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm -hmm. I suspect I need to do, if nothing else, have a refresher course on the story up until this point. So, cool. I'm watching Star Wars Rebels. And that's what I interrupted me the other night when the internet went down. Uh, So, yeah. That's yeah. what I've been watching okay so I did want to make one little thing because like I uh I did complete a commission for a patron not patron for the patreon one of your patrons one of my patrons and uh be like he paid me bare handsomely for it and uh thank you Stephen receiving for that that was amazing and uh, so yeah if you want a commission you see my art uh get a, get a hold of me and we can make some art to seek magic out this is self promotion. One. All right. So, Jacob, what do we have in the news? The, news.
1: the Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Dila, and going into the news. Um, so, everybody's favorite distribution... Everybody's favorite distribution... Distributor? Distributor, GKs, thank you, uh, has acquired the North American distribution rights for the I anticipated new film from Academy Award-winning director Hayao Miyazaki, Co founder of Japanese, uh, the Japanese studio Ghibli, uh, and his fifth final film, fifth and final film. No, no, his fifth final film. He's had, uh, had five final films now. Okay, I was about to say, this guy's retired how many times? Five, run? five. It's like, yeah, this is his final film. We've already reviewed two of his final films, yeah, but uh, the movie I'm referring to, uh, informally referred. To an English uh, English language press by its uh, tentative name, "How Do You Live?" The official international title is unveiled as "The Boy and the Heron." So What's about you? No, it's not. <laughs> Be like, do I look like a bird to you? I don't. I don't bark like a bird, do I? Maybe a bird dog. Yeah, the the bird dog from uh, Duck Hunt. I hated that dog as a kid. I hated that dog as a kid. Oh my gosh! But I yeah. enjoy playing as him in Smash Brothers. Huh? I enjoy playing as him in Smash. I, I can imagine. Apparently, they made a horror movie out of it or a horror game out of it. The the dog for some reason. Oh, they didn't. but so Let's move on. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, G-Kids uh, G will be releasing uh, The Boy and the Heron from Studio Ghibli. Uh, I think, what was this? I I don't know. It's 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 still in production. It's still actually in pre-production right now. But they've already acquired the rights to it, so you know people are excited about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Disney is doing another remaster, or in this case, a restoration of one of their classics. You mean a remake? No. Oh, we're not talking about the same thing. No. no. Restoration. So Disney Plus is set to debut a new restoration of Disney of uh, Walt Disney's nineteen fifty American classic or American art animated classic. Animated classic Cinderella on August twenty fifth oh. during the World Princess Week. Maybe realize. they'll remember her dress is white and not blue this time. Yeah, I think they did that. Uh as a part of the centennial salute to Walt Disney Animated Studios and the ongoing one hundred the Disney one hundred year anniversary. Well, it's silvery white, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's silvery white. Be like if if you know anything about the release of Snow White, they butchered the last release. Yeah. They they, they Butchered the they butchered the restoration. They over they over they overcleaned. They overcleaned over over it. And so we like where her dress was white and then it turned blue. They colored it blue because I guess they were thinking that what they use in the Disney Princess storyline was the yeah, actual was, color. Yeah. Granted, I've seen that dress blue like in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. and It's like okay, that's just what you color it right now. But in the original movie it's silvery white. It's silvery white, and there a blue accent. Look. And they and, and uh, when they did the restoration, they smoothed out all the way the dress billowed and and, and wrinkled and such. Destroyed they the destroyed the film. the film. Yeah. So now they they've gone and corrected that in later editions. So they've gone back and redid everything, and polished everything up. So yeah, we're getting another version on Disney Plus. Of this film, so I'm pretty sure a lot of the the uh, the Disney fans are out there. It's like, oh my gosh, give you this version. We might already have it. You don't know, but uh, yeah, that's all I have for for uh, news. Unless there's something else, I saw information about the release uh, or or are the uh, involving the live action remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I saw something about that. They made Snow White Latina. Okay. You may not immediately understand what's wrong with this. And this is not a political issue I have. I agree representation matters. Yeah. Do not get me wrong here. Yeah. But this is one of those things that... It doesn't make sense what they're doing. Okay. Why is Snow White's name Snow White? Because in the story, a, her skin is white, as pale white, pale. as an as white as snow, no. with black hair and ruby red lips. Yeah. What Latina woman do you know who's got pale white skin? Yeah, unless she's an albino. And the actress I saw—I didn't catch who they catch her name. I apologize. There, yeah. she's not albino. Right. So, I know this sounds weird, and some people may misinterpret what I'm saying. Yeah, which I understand what he's talking about, yeah. Right. But I feel like there's, there's being conscious of representation, trying to be inclusive, and then there's just being stupid about it. Especially when you consider the fact that there are not seven dwarfs. No, there's not seven dwarfs. There's one dwarf. And six magical creatures. Because, uh... Oh, what's his name? Dobby? Uh, no, the, uh, the the dwarf actor who was in Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. You uh, I can't think of his name. Yeah. When they announced they were making a, a live action remake of Snow White, says I can't believe they're making another movie about seven dwarves. Are gonna be in a. Uh, living in a cave. It's like, A, that's not what it's about. B, you just cost six actors their jobs who could have been, who could have given more representation to dwarves. Mm -hmm. You (laughs) idiots. So, yeah. That's the only news I caught. That's literally what I thought you were going to comment on earlier. That's when you said... I, I didn't even see it. Well, I caught this on not the bee. Uh, okay. Which, of course, would have gone right, right in on this because right. not the B is meant to be what headlines that should be satire, but unfortunately aren't. Yeah, that is that is bizarre. Yeah. So and it's 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 kind of like the uh, they're they're casting for the um, uh, one of my favorite films from Disney, Lilo and Stitch. So she should be Hawaiian. She is Hawaiian. So what's the issue? She doesn't look Hawaiian enough. She's lighter skinned. So you're saying she looks like the girl that Lilo beats up because for uh, talking bad to her at the beginning of the movie? No, she looks she like okay. So there again, not getting political here. Yeah, this is not a political, not political thing. Political statements whatsoever. No, yeah, this is definitely not a political this, thing. This, this is just this, us saying you should be cast to part, not yeah. So this- there's some things I can understand changing yeah. race of. Yeah. Like it worked for live action Little Mermaid for yeah. the change in setting. Yeah. But then there's just being stupid. Yeah. Now, granted, if we go watch this movie and it is, it's We're- got a character whose name Snow White and seven magical creatures and it has nothing to do with the original story except in name only. Mm-hmm. In like they do enough of a change where it makes sense. Maybe I won't care as much. Yeah. But the problem is, if that's what it is, you need to tell us right now, because right now we're assuming we're literally remaking the film based on the grim fairy tale in which this one, this character is described very obviously as being, having skin as white as snow. Yeah. So the, the- Either make her albino or make her a Caucasian. Yeah. That's the only way this works. I'm sorry. True. You're... It sounds horrible. I understand. That's not my point. Yeah so the the big issue with a lot of people is they hired this young actress to play lilo she's from hawaii she's hawaiian people's complaint is she doesn't look dark enough she doesn't look like you're you know the i don't want to say this in a bad way native she doesn't look native enough that's what it comes out she doesn't look like a native hawaiian well she I mean, like if you look at the picture she looks native but the only problem is people are complaining she's not she doesn't look darker-skinned enough. I'm like, what do you want, people? Be like, she's, she's a native of Hawaii. She's darker-skinned. And be like, what else do you want? This is proof that we can be worried about the same thing from different angles. Exactly. If y'all are confused, like we're like we're on two different sides of this argument, we're not. We're not. We we believe in correct casting. Yeah. In my in the case of Snow White, I think they have made an incorrect choice. In the case of Lilo and Stitch, from what I'm a gathering, you think they made a correct choice, and everyone else needs to shut up. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And the, the problem we in believe this, in good casting. Yeah. And I, I believe in good casting. In his yeah. case, it's probably good. In my case, it's I think it's bad. Yeah. It's two different films. Yeah, it's just stupid. I'd be mean, like to me it's strange. She could be a good actress. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Because they're again be like, I, I'm the kind of guy I'd be like, I'll watch a film, be like, no matter what the casting is, I'm gonna watch and see what they do with the film. Because watching Little Mermaid, people lost their crap because they 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 cast uh H- Haley Haley? Bailey. Hayley, they cast Haley Bailey as Ariel. I'm and gonna, I'll admit when I first saw it, I thought, what are you people thinking? Yeah. After watching it, okay, yeah, the girl got I shot. Get, She's I, good, and it's not just that. I get how it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. But unless this is, I, you're gonna have to go really weird, I think, with Snow White to make this casting yeah. make sense. Yeah. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe. If I get canceled, I'm sorry. That wasn't my point. <laughs> my point is, do it. Make it make sense. Yeah. If you're gonna do this, make it make sense. If not, yeah, I think you did it wrong. Yeah. But, anyways, so, yeah, it's, I, I think our culture has gotten way too divisive. Divisive and sensitive about everything. Yes. Let's just move on. Yeah, let's just move on. Yeah, because that, that was just more of a, a hot-button issue that just got turned into a hotter issue. But either way, So that, that is all I have for the news. All right, let's jump into some X-Men. Previously on X-Men. It's a smoky, over I know. Kind of hokey superhero. He's in this one? It's just an like electrically consistent superhero. and exotically-erotic oh, and what? aquatic superhero. And horrible superheroes are alive. X-Men, X-Men, it's the day, it's the day. X-Men, X-Men, so it's your way. and, his, and, amazing and friends, his amazing friends, Iceman, Iceman and, Firestar. and Firestar. Wolverine, Hope and fear for you is up in fear when Iron Man joins the fights. But it so as the the animated series! The Juggernaut returns! first aired on May 6, 1995, as part of Season (laughs) 3. We're in Season 4, but our first episode originally aired in Season 3. Directed by Larry Houston and written by Julianne Clem. In this episode, Juggernaut's life is at risk when someone else uncovers the ruby of Scytherak and claims the powers of the Juggernauts for himself. In this episode, or for guest cast, we have Rick Bennett as the Juggernaut and Kane Marco. Stuart Stone as young Charles Xavier. And Mark Strange as Kurt Marco. Mm. Yeah. Trivia for this episode. Morph is briefly seen in the care of Morra McTaggart on Muir Island, Mm -hmm. indicating that he is finally getting treatment for the effects of the mind control Mr. Sinister inflicted upon him. This is the only time he appears during season three and has no dialogue. Mm -hmm. Just a Mm leave. We have a cameo from the incredible Hulk Mm -hmm. seen as a danger room hologram fighting the juggernaut. And when Eugene lands in the studio, he lands in the middle of filming power Rangers, which is another the Bond production, yeah. and we even get a quick Power Rangers stinger in the audio. Oh, if you're listening, you watch it as they're as they're running away. You hear the, dun 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 dun. Just <laughs> <You laughs> going on with the music. You do. Yeah, uh, oh my Oh, that was great. Yeah. Uh, this I actually remember this episode. I know I said I that I dark the Dark Phoenix saga was yeah. the last one. Mm-hmm. I think this must have aired before that originally because i i remembered this episode i remember uh knowing finding out that oh juggernaut's not a mutant Mm -hmm. i didn't know this this is kind of a cool thing i didn't realize this was a standard operating procedure for a lot of characters but for whatever reason isn't you in your mind x-men and especially as a kid yeah x-men and the rest of the marvel stable Those are different properties. Yeah. You don't think about it all being part of one universe. Yeah. Even though all these other characters keep showing up and making cameos throughout Uh this thing. But, yeah. uh, I enjoyed this episode. I did not know about the Power Rangers scene at the time. Because I think when uh, this episode aired, it was 95. 95. I would have watched Power Rangers by the time. Because Power Rangers started in 93. Yeah. I guess I just didn't. Make the connection at the time, even though I fully remember seeing Eugene chase them into that movie studio. I mm-hmm. still didn't remember that that was Power Rangers. Yeah. Well, two of them were Power Rangers. One of them looked like a monster from Ultraman. Yeah. And uh, the other one definitely looked like Kamen Rider. <laughs> yeah. I think that was. Sorry. Sorry. This is this is a uh, early 90s Saban. Mask Rider. Mask Rider. Just glad we didn't get that stupid, duck build plat fur- furry platypus thing. Furbin is that his name? I have no. I, I don't know. remember. I, I watched the first one or two episodes. It was weird. If you're talking about the ones that are part of Power Rangers, those yeah. are those don't count because those were competently written. Well, I'm talking about the actual it wasn't show. A sitcom, the actual show. Show. I okay. I watched like one or two episodes I'm like this is weird it's yeah because it's it, the original show was very bloody that they adapted yeah so they couldn't adapt much yeah so I remember this, this episode so fondly because I remember the, the, the now classic line in my mind here's me like here here's comes Juggies. Juggies. <laughs> exactly because I remember that so clearly and I was like oh, okay this is that episode I remember this so fondly as a kid and, uh, like, now as an adult, I'm like, Charles, quit probing into people's mind when they don't want you to. It's called privacy, dude. But no, I'm trying to help my brother. Your brother doesn't like you. Yeah, exactly. Granted, you still have to do your best by him, but, you know, it's like, maybe don't keep annoying him? Yeah. Don't, don't you know, be in... Grant is invading his mind all the time because you want to understand things, but it's called consent, bro. Just, just because he can't respond doesn't imply consent. Yeah, exactly. Do better, Charles. Do better. This is Charles Xavier. We're not talking about the uh, heights of ethicalness. That's true. The, the the man the man just like violates people's minds like all the time because he has to get information. And manipulates and lies to people the entire time. I'm just saying he's not necessarily the white knight that this show makes him out to be. No, today, he's not. Or the movies, for that matter. No, 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 no. Anyways, uh, this, this thing, I think it's a good episode. I thought it was fun. Uh, it's, like, it's Juggernaut returns, Juggernaut loses his powers, some dweeb gets his powers... Like, I know I said, like, an old 90s word, dweeb, but... No, I, dweeb is the right word for this character. Okay, thank you. Because I'm watching this guy and going, Dude, you're not... You have the powers of the juggernaut. What the crap are you doing? Like... You obviously don't have what it takes to get the ladies. Apparently. Except he does, because he kind of did get that one at the, the end. At the very end. it's, like... it's like, uh... And I, a I totally weird... get past the guy. I totally get that. Yeah. And I I also get the fact that I, I like the I like that he did not know what had his own strength as the juggernaut. Yeah, that was which fun. was cool. That was and fun. I like how the the transfer and everything that was all that was all this great cool mysticism at the same time. This is this does feel like a filler episode. It doesn't. It's fun episode. It's this is um, I think one of the better ones of these fillers. Yeah, it's, it's definitely more enjoyable than a lot of the Mojo stuff yeah. that has come up and some Mojo of the other things. Fun. Mojos are always fun, yes, yeah. but this felt like, oh, this is actually an an actual story. Yeah, just happens to not lead to anything. Yeah, so this uh, happens to uh, go nowhere and does nothing. Yeah, that's true. It, it literally just sets up nothing. But it's, it's okay. We understand more about Charles's past. The way he does it's completely unethical, but uh, it's it's just how they get it. You know, just take it for, take it as salt as it is. It's like, yeah, don't problem people's mind; if they didn't want you to. Exactly. But uh, But uh yeah, just oh my gosh. This this is a weird episode. It's good. It's the classic line, be like, here comes Juggy. I love that line as a kid. Here's Juggy. Even though that's really more of a reference to uh the shining. Yeah, here Here's, here's Juggy. Yeah. Like good episode. Very weird. Uh, We understand more about Charles. and I thought I got past all this. But no, let's go on for more trauma. (laughs) And Storm in this episode changes outfits more often than Bulma does in Dragon Ball. You're not kidding. Just three different outfits in this. Three different outfits. And none of them are civilian. Three different superhero suits. Exactly. What the crap is going on at at, at, uh, at, at X-Men HQ here? They got a better wardrobe person? We know that because how often her hairstyles changed in the last couple episodes too. Yeah, exactly. We get we get that one episode where her hair's up and it looks awesome. And then they go back to full goddess hair. Yeah, full just like eighties yeah. 80s hair. 80s, 90s hair. But uh it's like it's it's a competent episode. It's feels like a filler episode. We get more of like Charles and uh, uh Juggies past our What's his actual name? Uh, Marco Marco. Kane. Marco Kane. Marco Kane's past, and uh, that was interesting. But otherwise, it just felt like a filler episode. Mm -hmm. And these two episodes kind of have the the return of a villain theme. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Next episode: A Deal with the Devil. First aired September fourteenth, nineteen ninety six, as a part of season five. It was directed by Larry Houston and Fred Miller and written by Eric Lewold. In this episode, Omega Red, the destruction machine from the former Soviet Union, and a sworn enemy of Wolverine is thawed and sent two miles beneath the ocean to salvage a disabled toxic nuclear submarine threatening to break up near Hawaii. We have in the guest cast Lynn Doncheff playing Omega Red slash Arkady and in this episode, uh or a trivia for this episode, Wolverine says uh one time, uh we ought the submarine ought to be used for one of those battery ads with the rabbit. That was good. Referencing the Energizer Bunny mascot of Energizer Batteries, mm-hmm. which keeps going and 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 going. And going, and going. Yeah. yeah. Uh the, in all this, failed to mention is that Wolverine and Storm are in this, and since they're in a submarine, guess what plot point? We get brought back up about Storm. She's claustrophobic. What? We know. What? I, I, Thankfully, I, I, we did not get another shot of her as a child hunkering down below the walls that broke apart oh, just, with five different colored skin. Just yeah. Just wait until the the next. Batch of episodes. Mm, yeah. But uh fun. yeah, I, I, I do enjoy where it's where it's Aurora 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 Aurora. Actually. aurora. I've heard it say It's supposed times. to be Aurora because it ends in a no. Aurora. Yeah. Be like her be like her be like she she's dealing with her claustrophobia and it's not completely just crippling her. Be like I enjoy that and it's not like the entire story where it's um, wait a minute. Am I getting the two episodes mixed up? No, this happens in this one. Oh yeah, this is this American. is the one where she snaps. Right, this, this is the one where she snaps at Wolverine. And says, "You know how much hard time, how much under pressure I am and, cl- and can find spaces, Wolverine." Now shut up. Under pressure. <laughs> We're, you're in a submarine. Yes, and the, down. the 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 submarine design in this. I'm like, uh we just recently had the Titan yeah. tragedy. I'm thinking like. That submarine would crack under coincidence. Possibly. Yeah. No. Maybe. Maybe not. But maybe. I, I think it is. More, it is coincidence. Yeah. it is. More but I also think that the version we see in this episode yeah. versus the actual Titan. hmm Uh, they're not called Titans in this. Movie. Well, I mean, no. The, the first one, uh, the one we're talking about, that sank when looking yeah. for the Titanic, was called the Titan. Yeah. You look at the insides of that before they went down. That was not meant to go that deep. No. Whereas this one is meant to go it's that deep. Too. Yeah. So more more like like more like fantasy what we think you know some would look like, but uh, yeah, good episode there again. We get Omega Red, and of course Omega, Omega Red be like, I'm going to destroy the world. Kind of thing, Wolverine. Be like, oh, I be like, oh, I I don't you really want... care about my lungs. He pops his out. And he's like, yeah, I really think I need my lo- my my lungs. I, I, let me retract that statement. My, my favorite line from Omega Red is, "You want to hear my terms? I my terms are, I'm going to send 15 warheads across the world, and I, what I want is to see the towns burn." <laughs> I'm like. Those are good terms. <laughs> Those are good terms. Those are good terms. The uh the the, the one that got me because they're gonna be like I do a lot of like, you know, history understanding things. So one of the things I was kind of was cold the Cold War. I, I just be like I just I, I read the read the hunt for a Red October. Good book. Good book. Good book. Highly recommend it if you've never read it. And if you've not seen the movie. Another film without Baldwin in it. Yeah, exactly. Why did my you like we just now remember all these films with Alec like Baldwin? Mm-hmm. But I didn't remember when making notes. Anyway. And you know, Sir Sean Connery is a Russian. Playing a Scottish Russian. A Scottish Russian. That's a, that's a weird <laughs> transfer, but okay. Um, but it's like you be I mean, like this move this the book gives you so much detail like how like uh, nuclear weapons work. Be like, if they're launched out of a tube, if they are armed, they are. Be like, be like, they hit their target. They are going to go nuclear. So in the the show, like the missiles are launched. Omega Red says they are armed. They are nuclear at this point. And when the the team are shooting these things down, it's like, oh no! Be like the the uh, the, the the nuclear the nuclear they weren't nuclear. Even though Omega no, they, Red says... They were nuclear, but they weren't armed yet. They weren't armed, but they were armed already. That's what Omega Red says. They are armed. But then they see they're not armed. I don't remember him saying... Uh-huh. The far, no, leave, okay, yeah, go ahead. Don't, don't jump on it. Okay. <laughs> the first set of missiles. Yeah. I don't remember him even mentioning it because he does realize when all these have blown up and he goes to shoot off a second Razak, yeah. oh the warheads i need to make sure they're armed okay i can see that that's what i remember yeah. i'm not saying you're wrong yeah. i'm saying i remember it differently okay be like i might be remember he I I, I I distinctly remember omega red saying be like be like i've armed i've armed the nuclear weapons i've armed the nukes something along those lines you know and his his very russian accent Uh, I don't know if he might have been referring to the whole warhead or if he was referring to the rocket. Yeah, because it makes no sense. Because if he's he's got the rocket set to launch, I can maybe see in a weird way in thinking that meant the rocket was armed to launch, not maybe armed to blow up. I get it. I'm guessing here. Yeah. Bear in mind. There again, he might because have... there is a thing about uh, with, with some missiles and bombs that are not nuclear. Yeah, true. That uh, they do not arm themselves until they are like really close to hitting their targets. Yeah. No. So that they if they accidentally hit some somebody that's friendly. Yeah. They don't go off. Okay. Fair enough. I now, could see that also being there for the nuclear stuff because I can't imagine that's that hard to reprogram. But yeah, my 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 my. In universe canon, kind of thought would be: is that Omega thought he was firing, you know, live round nukes when he was actually firing off squids, and he launched them, and the Blackbird shoots them down. Like, oh, I might want to arm them this time. (laughs) That was my thought. I was like, okay. I was like, maybe he forgot to arm. There's another rationalization. Okay, he armed them, but he didn't set the delay. Okay. He was still set to what the delay was by default. Yeah. So when he said the warheads I should set them or whatever, it's just like, oh, go ahead and bring them all the way back down to where they're live when they leave the yeah. when they leave the torpedo tube. Yeah. So I, I I do love when be like Omega Red is about to launch these things and the the heightened of you know DEPCOM five of how they'd be like, you know, like where's my ships? Where are these? Be like, why did you say you If you hey, didn't well. tell us, we would already be ready to go by now. What do you mean it's going to take you ten minutes? The, the, the whole world's going to blow up in five. Well, if you'd have told us ahead of time, we could have Wait, been ready for that, this operation. That, that heightened tension was really good. And then the blackboard just shoots them all down. It's like, okay, who's shooting those down? It must be a stealth craft. X Men. I'm remembering a line from X Men. The first X-Men movie. If any, if there's any radar on uh, that catches us, they deserve to catch us. Yeah. Of course, considering other things that came out this week, what do you prefer? Yellow spandex? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Yeah. Exactly. And unfortunately, it's delayed because of the actor strike. But writer strike. Actor strike went this week. Uh, I didn't. I, I thought it was the writer strike. It's the writer strike was already going. Yeah, this week the actor strike is this right week. the strike? This week, the the, right, uh, the the actors also struck, and the way it timed out, that meant that the uh, Oppenheimer when it was uh, the red carpet was at a uh, that's right. The Brind- they all left. They all left in the as soon as the time hit, they all just turned around and left. Yeah, it's like that is a power move right it there. Is. It's like oh we're we all got nice and ready to go watch this movie and oh it's 12, it's it's twelve o'clock okay let's go home mm-hmm. we must stand in solidarity to so yeah. get paid far more than any of us get paid yeah moving on before yeah. I get salty <laughs> I think we got salty earlier but nuance anywho anyways uh yeah good episode get Return of Omega Red I, I I love the conclusion where everyone's gonna be like oh yeah is he really gone and Wolverines gonna be like. Pfft. I can still smell him. You know, 30 fathoms 30 under under if, underwater. He can still smell Omega. If there's rain. anyone who could, it's it Wolverine. would be Wolverine. Yes, it's Wolverine. Anyway, yeah, we've reached the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Next week, with Inside Out, we will be reviewing Sanctuary parts one okay, and 2. two. So join us next week for that. I think that's the actual official start of season four. Yes. But okay. uh weird episodes. We'll get there when we get there. We do. So join us then and uh, be looking forward to the end of August. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. So just because we got some special coming up at the end of August. That is true. Yeah. So there was one thing I wanted to go back to the last episode we just reviewed. There, there's the point where uh, Rogue decides she's going to dive to the submarine, which is, you know, I don't know how many fathoms is down, and Beast makes them comment. It's like, it's too far down. You won't make it. Perfectly fine. This is Rogue. She's strong, but apparently her lungs are even stronger. And she starts yanking this ship apart. I'm like, you pull tail apart and it's going to flood compartments. So Aurora and Wolverine are going to drown. But no, I just turned the rudder. It's fine. I didn't really flood any apartment. I just tore a panel off. Really? Like this whole point, like, yeah, we can't endanger our friends, and Rogue just goes and rips the the stupid summary apart. anyways so next week we're going to be reviewing I'm going to cut that first part out so this flows better Yeah. next week we are going to be reviewing Sanctuary Parts 1 and 2 which I believe is the uh, actual star of season 4 Yes. so join us next week for it's that all in space. the final frontier not quite and, maybe mutant frontier and join us of course at the end of August for a very special thing so uh Get ready for that. Do uh, you have anything to add before we jump out of here? Uh, because I just realized that I do have something. But if you have something, go ahead. Oh yeah, not really, but I'm pretty sure I know exactly what you're about to do. So at the end of this of this last episode, we had a random scene play during the credits, which yes! featured. I am Magneto, master of magnet. <laughs> Maggio showed up <laughs> for the most non sequitur scene I've seen in a while. It's, like, it's a it's a, a preview to the next episode of oh, season five of season, not the one we're watching. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the 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 episodes get cooking People, let's just say that. Uh, yeah, we're the show is getting crazier the farther we go. Yeah. So, how how long do we end until we finish the season? Uh, a current schedule we will finish this um at, at thanksgiving thanksgiving okay so stay tuned for what we're doing next yes in the meantime this has been drew this is jacob and we'll catch you in the next spring
1: you can follow jacob on his facebook at jacob b heron his facebook page jacob's daily art corner where he tries to draw each and every day his instagram at jacob b heron his twitter at jacob heron and his letterbox at jacob heron you can find drew on facebook at drew Dodgen. his facebook page drew's photo bin to see his photography his letterbox page at g george 759 his twitter at g george 759 and instagram at drew Dodgen. you can like us on facebook at the cellcast podcast on twitch at the cellcast gaming on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at cast underscore cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at the at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L.
0: man, finally get done with the episode. Let me get a drink. Go, 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 go. Oh, great. What's wrong with this formula? Woof! Woof! <laughs>